I shall start the meeting. A um, few points of order first. Um, please ensure that all your mobile phones are turned off, please. Um, we have no planned fire drills this afternoon, so if there is a fire alarm, it will be genuine. Please exit the building through the main doors and uh, meet on the grass out the front. Um, I'll draw members' attentions to the supplementary reps on the yellow pages. Just make sure that you're all up to speed with those. Um, I would welcome Councillor Gerard standing in for John Lodge and Councillor Ranger standing in for Leslie Wells, so the committee is full. Um, ben Ferguson is sitting to my right from Democratic Services, Elizabeth Smith from Legal, and Mr Nigel Brown returned from Holiday from Planning. And with that, we will move on to the first order of today, UTT 170335, Elsinham Nurseries. Minutes. Minutes. No, I've already done those. Uh, minutes from the previous meeting. It was all going so well. <coughs> yeah, we'll do minutes first. No, minutes first. Because I've said it now. <laughs> Is everybody happy with the minutes from the last meeting? May I sign them off? Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, declarations of interest, gentlemen. Richard. Saffron Walden Town Council, member of. Paul. Saffron Walden Town Council. Uh, Newport Angus. Parish Council. Don't normally do the Parish Council bits because we're all bits and pieces, but don't worry. Fine. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. Vic. Councillor Ranger, thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, Non-pecuniary interest in the last item on the agenda, Oakland, Oak Lloyd Avenue, Dunmow, as I'm friends with the adjoining neighbour. Okay, thank you. Any others? No? Okay. With that, we will proceed to the first item, Miss Denmark. Thank you, Chair. This is um, a site located in Elsenham. It's a former nursery site which has the benefit of outline planning permission for 40 dwellings. Um, so most of the members will probably remember this site. I can't find a mouse. Um, this area of the site here, um, around here, is largely now covered by a tree preservation order. Um, there's a public right-of-way that runs along the boundary here, and then this area here is known as Alsa Wood. Um, David Wilson Homes are currently developing the site next door um, with a few bungalows here, a house here, and um, a large part of the development happening up here. Um, the proposal is for a reserve matters application for the layout, scale, landscaping and appearance of the um, development. The layout provides for a mix of detached, semi-detached and terraced dwellings with a mix of dwelling sizes from one bedroom flats to five bedroom houses. Where is the... Sorry, there's the layout. Um, the, um, the layout's considered to be acceptable. There's um, two bungalows uh, here, which are located adjacent to the boundary where David Wilson Homes will be constructing bungalows here so that there's no um, amenity issues to these properties here. Um, the proposal is, um, the rest of the proposal is largely two-storey. Um, there are some two-and-a-half-storey um, properties, such as these ones here, 
the two in the middle and this one down here. But their bridge heights are comparable to the two-storey dwellings um, within the development. Um, I can't read this. So this is what the street scenes look like throughout the, the scheme. This is the long street scene, um, which is see this mouse along here. Um, the appearance is considered to be acceptable. There's a range of materials which has been submitted for approval and the landscaping is acceptable given the sensitivity um, of the site and with the protected trees and the adjacent house of wood. Condition 7 of the outlying planning permission required there to be um, a footpath cycleway link between this site and the adjacent site. On the outlying planning application, it was shown indicatively as being somewhere in this location. And when the application first came in, um, it was still shown as being indicatively uh, in that location. But um, it's not been possible to secure that path there um, for various reasons. One is because the, um, the footpath would join into a private drive for this property here, um, so David Wilson Homes won't permit that. And secondly, um, Crown Estates owned this land previously and they still have a right about access. Um, they have to give consent for any access anywhere along its boundaries, which is along here. So, following a very extensive meeting, which included um, myself, Nigel Brown, um, county ecologist, our landscape officer, the arboriculturists for both um, David Wilson Homes and for this site, um, and some ecologists, there was, new, there was about 20 of us in that room, um, we have finally secured a route for the path um, how much you, oh, it shows up better up there than it does down here. So the path is running up there. Can't, oh, it's gone all funny. Where's the mouse gone? Sorry, I can't get the mouse on the screen. But it, it runs along there, up there, and it's picking its way through the very the least sensitive parts of the site, but there's issues with oxlips and various other protected species in there and around the protected trees and it will join up with the public right-of-way which runs along the boundary up there. Um, so we don't need the consent of Crown Estates to access that. Um, this doesn't technically meet the requirements of Essex County Council um, because you're not allowed to cycle on a public right-of-way. Um, but given the sensitivities of this site, um, the pub this link won't be adopted. It will be maintained by, as part of the woodland management plan that goes with that element of the site. And um, so given the sensitivities of the site, we feel that that is the best solution that we can um, secure in order to provide the connectivity and that has now been signed off and approved. 
Um, so therefore, on that basis, it's recommended that the application be approved as set out in the agenda and plus the two additional conditions which are shown on the subreps. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Uh, we have one speaker on this matter, uh, Dr. Graham Mott. If you'd like to come forward, you have three minutes. Just hold it down, yeah. Dr. Mott, if you hold the button down, the red light will come on. Should come on. Mr. Chairman, is that okay? Right. Thank you. Um, I speak to as a member of Elston Parish Council. First, I should like to mention two issues concerning parking. A three of the four bedroom houses, plots 1, 14 and 15, have three parking spaces, one behind the other, an inconvenient arrangement which has been avoided elsewhere in Elsinum. Secondly, the distribution of visitor parking spaces is very uneven, with six of the ten close together, near to the large houses towards the north of the site where they are least needed. My other point, sir, refers to the matter which the officer has already referred to, I felt somewhat apologetically, and I refer you to section 10.22 of her report, which states that condition 7 of the section 106 agreement cannot be achieved, and it relates, as we've heard, to a pedestrian and cycle link through the adjacent development now under construction by David Wilson Holmes, the link would provide a convenient route to Elston Station situated over to the north. The report states that there were no other suitable alternatives for the developer to provide which would not cause considerable harm. That is true. Nevertheless, in a very late addition to the documents, we now have a sketchy proposal to make a link to the northeast of the site, about three times the length of the original, with no indication of the proposed surface and linking to an unsurfaced public footpath which becomes muddy at times. This substitute link would be through woodland, where the impact is acknowledged as sensitive. Also, sir, Importantly, Elsa Wood, immediately to the north of the public footpath, that's towards the top left as you look at it, which runs along the northern boundary of this site, is rated as probably the best wood in Essex for the rare, nationally protected oxlip plant. Found only in a small area on the borders with Suffolk and Cambridgeshire, small clumps of the plant have been found recently in the woodland to the northeast of this site and would be very much at risk from the link now suggested. The proposal, sir, is emphatically unacceptable. The officer's report says, and she said just now, that a link through the David Wilson home site would now cross a private drive, but that is not correct. In fact, if you look at it closely, it would lead to a green wedge of land, not part of a private drive or garden, and an access link could thus go through it. Sir, to conclude, it is not satisfactory to claim that the links specified in the Section 106 Agreement cannot be made and simply move on. 
It was only very recently that the wholly inadequate substitute for the link became known and proper consultation with all interested bodies has not taken place. We heard the officer say that they had recently a meeting of some very important uh, bodies. Uh, the local community have not been informed or consulted on this. The parish council have not been informed. I only knew of this this morning when I happened to look on the site and found that new documents had been lodged, sir. The parish council requests that the application be refused pending further discussions. And lastly, as I noted at the start, parking provision in two respects is most unsatisfactory, such that the claim to be offering a high quality design and layout cannot be sustained. Uh, the applicant, sir, must think again. Mr Chairman, I thank you and the committee for your attention. Thank you, Dr Mott. Uh, we now have the agent for Osprey Homes. Mr Harris, you have uh, three minutes. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you for this opportunity to address you on behalf of Osprey Homes and B3 Living Housing Association, <clears throat> both of whom are working together in a unique joint venture partnership to deliver market and social housing to the very highest standards. Half of all revenue generated by this partnership will be reinvested by B3 Living into more affordable housing, making this an important vehicle <coughs> for, the uh, for achieving the government's social housing numbers. The site was purchased in October last year with an outline permission. We have worked with the case officer at pre-application stage to adapt and personalise the scheme whilst recognising where elements of the outline were fixed or classed important and where others could be improved. We have held meetings with the highways, housing, tree and ecology offices and the lead local flood authority. This is to make sure that everything we have presented before you is technically sound <coughs> and deliverable. We have taken time to talk to some local residents and to present to the parish council. Careful consideration has been given to the adjoining development and new housing currently under construction. Through the design and layout, we have sought to minimise any impact and agree suitable boundary treatments. The key outcomes of this scheme have been to work around the constraints of the woodland areas by following previously agreed tree removals and by enhanced planting and to make the most of this unique landscape and setting. The net effect has been to preserve the rural feel of the site and this has been achieved through designing a bespoke layout and appearance of the houses, for example, introducing wooden cart lodges at the rear of the site, providing large gardens and allowing generous spacing between plots and indeed around the woodland areas. New tree planting outweighs the number of removals and provides more specimen trees. Protecting and where possible enhancing the ecology and biodiversity across the site has been at the forefront of the design process and will be strictly followed during construction. The officer report, uh, as succinctly said by the case officer, around the footpath. Um, just to add to that without repeating what's been said, we have met on site with the tree officer um, from Uttlesford and agreed a footpath route which is sensible in terms of avoiding any route barriers and the most sensible and direct route through the tree area with minimal damage. Um, it's always been our intention to start on site at the very earliest opportunity to enable delivery within two and a half years of permission. This is why we have sought to discharge all the planning conditions alongside this reserve matters application. We are now in an excellent position to start on this site in a matter of weeks following such approval. As part of our ongoing dialogue with local residents, we will continue communications to make neighbours fully aware of our operations and provide a key point of contact both on and off site. We always work closely with the neighbouring residents advising of key activities and updates on the construction programme. 
In fact, we have already spent time with some residents forming good relations to discuss at length our proposals and how we would manage operations on the site. We are happy with the three conditions and the additional two conditions proposed by the officers and would like to thank them for their help and input into shaping what we feel will be a high-quality, well-designed scheme. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Harris. Right, as we have no other speakers, I will throw this open to members for their comments. Um, I think uh, we remember that this is actually the first one that came up before this committee when we all started two years ago, and we had a bit of an incident with the TPOs, if I seem to remember correctly. But apart from that, um, gentlemen, over to you. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Just a couple of, of, of questions for indication. Could you show me on that map where the affordable houses are going to be spread out? Oh, I just need to see it. We'll just hold things for a second while we have a technical sort out. Please switch your microphone on, please. Sorry, could I have a microphone? Yeah. Right, sorry. Sorry, it's these plots here. The mouse disappeared again. <laughs> was there any attempt, may I ask through the chair, was there any attempt to distribute them evenly among all the houses? We have a, quite a strict policy about that here, and we take it quite seriously. The um, distribution is in accordance with the requirements set out in Section 106. Not quite the same thing, but thank you. Um, the second question I might ask is, I don't see any uh, reference to an environmental impact study for this particular thing. We've discussed that this is a very sensitive area ecologically. Um, I'd love to know what the, what the environment does say about it, if that's possible. The, right, yes. The, the scheme has been... Um, the original outline application was subject to screening, I believe. I didn't deal with that initially. But, um, and um, this has been screened as a reserve matters application and it doesn't need a, an environmental impact assessment to be submitted with the application. It's not, it doesn't have the significant adverse impacts that as an environmental statement. The environmental, um, the environmental impact assessment regulations has a much higher threshold for environmental state, uh, uh, impacts before a, an environmental statement is required. So it may be a sensitive site, but that can be dealt with by conditions or legal agreements, management plans, things like that. It doesn't mean that an environmental statement is required to be submitted with the application. Thanks for the response, Mr Chairman. I, I'm, 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 thank you. I appreciate what that means. I'm just not sure if that answers the question. Um, my problem is that it was raised as one of the material issues here, was that we are in a very sensitive area and the, and the entrance and egress to the public footpath represents a significant impact on uh, somewhat what is otherwise an environmentally sensitive area. So I just, it may not be required. In this case, I think it's something that's become material for us, and I think we'd all like to know what to, I would, I'd feel much more comfortable if I had a response like that. Thank you. I'll let Mr Brown come back to you on that. Can I just clarify this issue regarding the footpath? The footpath link has been approved. The footpath link has been approved as part of the... There's two bits to this footpath link. There's this, this particular application. The outline mission had a condition on it 
requiring details of the linkage. The David Wills and Holmes site has a section 106 agreement with a clause to agree the same linkage. So now, ironically, we could operate in different parallel universities and operate them together. The 106 clause has not yet been sorted out and, we, and, and now we've had a request from the Parish Council to discuss with them what's going on. But the condition regarding the discharge of condition has been discharged. So, that's, so all details about the footpath have been sorted out. The matters that Dr Mott has raised on behalf of the Parish Council are exactly the reasons why we were locked into a room in an afternoon. It was a very technical issue, including trying to manage with two developers ecology. The main issue is trying to have a linkage as, as well as having a very environmental sensitive issue, both environmental sensitive because of the oxlips and also because of the protected woodland. And sometimes, much as you want access through that, because people should be able to enjoy that land, um, we wanted that to happen, but we wanted to protect the very reason why that woodland was issued. Now, that has been agreed with very technical... Now, Council, Dr Mott has raised the issue about why the parish weren't involved in that, but the fact is it is a very technical issue in terms of trying to work out, trying to manage all those two issues. What Karen alluded to earlier on was the last thing we want is for highways to be involved in trying to over-engineer a situation. Because if you have an over-engineered footpath link going through the whole of that, you, say, you can say goodbye to the oxlips, you can say goodbye to half the protected trees, and you'll be able to sit from, you know, it'll be lit and all sorts of things. So therefore, we have the one thing we have compromised slightly on in order to achieve this with the oxlips and the woodland is on the highway, on, in terms of the quality of the footpath. The footpath and the linkage will still be up to standard, but it won't be up to the highway's over-engineered standards. It will be up to a standard that will be picked up by the management company that will be for both developments. That's the very much the environmental sensitiveness is what we did. But having said that, for the purposes of this application, that condition on the original outline has already been discharged. There was the other complication in terms of linkage through to the David Wilson Homes site does include going, regardless of what was what's been said about whether it goes on to private driveways and stuff, which is a moot point, to be honest, as far as officers are concerned, it was more of an issue going through Crown Estate land, and to be honest with you, that would block it up, because the Crown Estate, as we all know, are a very difficult organisation to deal with, and that's what blocked it there. So we didn't actually get as far as far. So the footpath link has been sorted in terms of the environmental sensitive, and we're not understating how important the, the, the sensitivity of this site is. So I think that's hopefully clarified the issue regarding the footpath link, and given the parish some, some comfort in terms of dealing with the 106 clause, which has not yet been discharged, but they haven't got the trigger in which they would need to do it. So they're well within the confines of the Section 106 in terms of David Wilson. Uh, thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, I hope that helps. Uh, Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I do well remember this case. I remember the Crown agent turned up and seemed to be extraordinarily confident of their position, which turned out to be correct. Uh, I do remember also that the um, Parish Council was concerned about the absence of bungalows in that site. Uh, and they've voiced that opinion here. Of course, both the bungalows are actually um, affordable, so they're not actually market bungalows. But my principal concern is uh, the so-called triple parking, triple deep parking. Can you show us on the map, please, where those triple parking spaces are? Can you switch your microphone on as well, please? Right. Right, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, there's three plots. There's um, one there, one there, and one there. 
and it's a balance that we've had to find between um, securing a, an acceptable layout around the sensitivities of the site um, and highways haven't raised an objection to it um, and they find that the layout is now acceptable and, um, and therefore we consider it to be acceptable as well. Well, we know that highways seldom object to anything, so that's not a good metric. Um, I've never seen triple tandem parking. I don't know if you have a triple tandem uh, in Arthurston uh, before. It's, it's a dangerous precedent because the space at the back is pretty much useless. But anyway, there we go. And my final point, Chairman, um, is the nature of the surface uh, for the path, which has now found its way out through, I suppose, the northeast of that site. Uh, can I suggest that it should be conditioned as a all-weather surface? You can't um, condition it because it's, the condition's already been discharged, already including the surfacing well, materials. That's, that's a shame, because it was originally to go through the housing estate, and that was easy. But this should be a path which can be used 12 months of the year, and obviously will be used 12 months of the year, but people will probably ride over the edge of the path. That's just too bad. I take your point. Um, I think, just to clarify, I think what um, officers have endeavoured to do here is actually come up with something that fits into a conservation environment to try and actually make something that blends completely. You know, it may not be fit for all the different various purposes we would like, but the idea is that it blends through such a sensitive environment that it's going to hopefully fit and merge in. Um, Eric, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, it seems to me that a great deal of effort has gone into um, taking environmental considerations into account in um, producing this um, uh, application and uh, for that reason and, um, it seems to me that um, it should go ahead and I would like to propose that we do accept this application. Okay, Councillor Hicks, I take that as a recommendation. Do you find a seconder, or have we got a seconder? Councillor Chambers, thank did you wait to speak at this time? No, thank you, Mr Chairman. I'll second that. Okay. Uh, Councillor Gerrard. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I do appreciate the amount of work that has gone into this by the officers. Um, my, I feel a bit uncomfortable about the lack of um, consultation with the Parish Council. I appreciate that there may have been certain technical issues that may not have been easy to deal with, but I would have liked to have seen more consultation with parish council. In my experience, usually the local parish councillors and, and members have an intimate local knowledge of how to deal with issues, particularly um, environmental issues, etc., and access. Um, I, that's my real discomfort with this at the moment, is the lack of consultation. Um, I don't know how that decision was made not to have full consultation, but um, that's, that's something that I feel a bit uncomfortable with. It's my understanding that uh, all of the experts and landowners basically got in a room and sorted out what they believe to be the best compromise situation to make the development work. Uh, it, and it may not be perfect, but uh, I think we have to trust our officers on this one to a certain extent. Um, anybody else? Uh, Councillor Lockman. Thank you. <coughs> 
Excuse me. Well, I think I might have been the only one that actually voted against this first time round when it was outline planning, and I wasn't happy with it. But um, I look at it now, and I did share um, Councillor Fairhurst's concerns about the, um, uh, the affordable housing being out on the periphery, which neither of us like. But it was explained to me, and I, I've gone through it with a fine-tooth comb, and I really can't see another solution. I wish I could but I actually can't and I do believe <coughs> that all the environmental impacts uh, and the people that have come in and spoken about it I really do think this is the best we're going to get we can send it away but I don't really think we'd achieve anything by doing that so uh, I think I'd have to go along uh, and uh, like um, Councillor Mill said it isn't perfect but no planning application is ever perfect it doesn't please everybody so I think I, I will on this occasion have to vote for this uh, Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, the, the only uh, worry I have is triple parking. And, you know, I know it's going to be very difficult to get over it, but I just think we ought to note it for future references because I don't think triple parking is going to work. I think people will just move their cars out. They're not going to move two cars to get the front car out. And I don't, I don't think it's a very good precedence for planning uh, applications in the future. Thank you. Um, I find myself agreeing with you on that point, so it's something which uh, I know officers will look at in future applications. Um, tandem parking was one thing, triple parking is quite another. Um, okay, well if we've got uh, Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. On the question of uh, tandem parking, um, it's my understanding that at this committee we have pushed for uh, a workshop in order to develop a policy for the upcoming local plan which will control those and the situations where it might be allowable or not. As this is not a through road, um, it's, to my mind, it's allowable. It's when you have through traffic um, that you should not be considering um, tandem parking with excessive movements of cars. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, I mean, I take your point. Um, on a site where we've got generous gardens and everything else, it makes you wonder why we couldn't perhaps design it so that the parking worked slightly better. Um, okay, I'm going to take this to the vote, gentlemen. We have a recommendation for approval. Would you please show in favour? Councillor Davey? I have one, two, three, four, five, six. Six in favour? Yes. Against? Four. That uh, item is indeed approved and we will continue on to the next item. Thank you. Um, Officer Luke Mills will take us through this. This is an application for land at Thorpe Lee, UTT 170712. Some outline planning. Sorry, not outline planning. Is that matters? Sorry. <laughs> I'll let you carry on. <laughs> Thank you, Chairman. DFO. The site is located off Walden Road in Great Chesterford. Part of the site is occupied by a bungalow and associated annex. While the remainder is largely open and was formerly used as a caravan site and for horticulture. The application is for the approval of reserved matters following an outline planning permission in June 2016, which included the approval of access. 
The development of 31 dwellings would be accessed via Walden Roads. Pedestrian access to an existing public footpath would be provided at the western end of the site. Over here. This slide shows a street scene for some of the dwellings facing the central public open space. As can be seen here, a traditional design approach has been adopted. For the reasons set out in my report, it is recommended that planning permission be granted. Thank you very much, Luke. Very succinct. <clears throat> okay, we have one speaker on this application, uh, Peter Stocking, I think, from Enterprise. Okay, I'll... You have a Peter, can I just hold you there? Um, Councillor Redfern, I think, would like to address the meeting. If that's okay, Peter, we'll take the councillor first and then come to yourself. Councillor Redfern, you have three minutes. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yeah, I'm a member. I don't need. I don't need long. I'm trying to so, keep. You know. So, <laughs> so, Councillor. Um, Thank you for letting me speak. And apologies, I've only just um, got this message. But um, on this application, as far as the parish of um, Chesterford is concerned, um, we very, want to be very protective of the hedgerow, and it doesn't appear that the condition is in the um, papers. I do believe that the applicant is comfortable with this, but I'm sure Peter would answer that. But um, can I just read out the wording that we would like, please? Um, it's... Um, Prior to any work being carried out to the hedgerow, to the southern boundary of the site, an arbicultural method statement shall be submitted to and approved in writing by the planning authority, and once approved, the hedgerow to the southern boundary shall not be felled, uprooted, removed, damaged or destroyed, cut back or pruned in any way otherwise than in accordance with the approved method statement without the prior written consent of the local planning authority. Any hedgerow plant being removed without such consent or which dies or becomes seriously damaged or diseased within five years of the completion of the de development shall be replaced with a hedgerow plant of a similar size and species within, within the first subsequent planting season, October to March. And B, the erection of any additional fencing to the hedgerow along the southern boundary of the site shall only be undertaken in accordance with the plans and particulars submitted to and approved in writing by the local planning authority and shall, be, shall not exceed two metres in height. Um, these conditions are quite important to us because um, we also want the hedgerow protected once the properties have been sold because that is the boundary of the, of the village. So um, it would cause a great deal of upset to the parish council and uh, residents if we couldn't have that added. So thank you for letting me speak. <laughs> thank you, Councillor Redfern. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll discuss the point with uh, Councillor Brown. Yes, if you could leave us a copy of it, please, and we'll have a look at that. And um, I'm sure that uh, Mr Stocking will probably comment. 
Well, just to pick up on that point, yes, we are aware of that. That was part of a discussion that we'd had with Parish Council, and um, yes, we don't have any pr problem with that condition um, in principle. So, um, so have I must start now. <laughs> Good afternoon. My name is Peter Stocking and I am the Managing Director of Enterprise Property Group. We are a local residential developer based in Whittlesford who specialise in small to medium sized bespoke developments, each scheme being tailored and designed to meet the particular characteristics and requirements of the given location. You will be aware of our recently completed scheme adjacent to Thorpley site off of Rose Lane and perhaps one, in the district, one other in the district in Radwinter, both of which we are extremely proud of in terms of both quality and design. The case officer has recommended the approval of the reserve matters re relating to layout, scale, landscape and appearance, which are resultant from an outline planning consent that was granted up to, for up to 31 dwellings on the 13th of June 2016. The final design and layout of the proposed development is the result of extensive discussions with planning officers both before the application was submitted and during its determination. The pre-application meetings were extremely useful and ensured that any, any significant issues were dealt with at an early stage. Following the submission of the application, the officer also allowed us to make minor amendments to ensure that the scheme that we now present to you is compliant with the outline planning consent, design guide SBD, Essex car parking guidance, including the standards relating to daylight, sunlight, privacy, overlooking and private garden and amenity space. You will notice that the layout has changed since the original outline consent, but we feel that this layout and design is an overall improvement on what was in indicatively approved at that stage. We also presented the scheme to the Great, Par Great Chesterford Parish Council, initially at preliminary de design stage and then subsequently just after submission when we had the opportunity to show both the councils and the villagers where changes had been made and how we had addressed many, if not all, of their initial comments. We remain convinced that close involvement with the parish on any given scheme is an essential part of trying to arrive at a solution that all parties can generally be happy with and it is therefore pleasing to see that the Parish Council have confirmed their support for this scheme. The proposed development will provide 12 affordable dwellings which represent a policy compliant 40% of the total number. Despite some initial concerns raised by villagers about these affordable units being tucked away at the back of the site, you will note that we have put them right at the forefront of the development with a quality of design appropriate for such a highly visible location. These houses will be available to local people first, helping to meet the needs of the local area and contributing to Uttlesford affordable housing requirements. The proposals also provides high quality amenity space at its core, as well as all units having gardens that comply with the standards prescribed in the design guide. We anticipate that the central amenity space will create an exceptional space, sense of place, as well as providing an attractive common area for the benefit of the whole development. Enterprise Property Group has its own contracting arm and we build our own properties. As such, we are to a large extent in control of the programme for delivering these dwellings. Subject to a positive outcome today, we would anticipate being on site by this autumn with properties, including the affordable units, becoming available 12 to 14 months thereafter. Being in charge of the management of the construction process gives us, we believe, the ability to ensure a smooth, safe and successful delivery of the whole process. Great Chesterford is acknowledged as a sustainable village, classed as a key rural settlement in the district's hierarchy. The proposal set out within this application for reserved matters, we believe, represents an appropriate, high quality and sustainable development for such a village. Thank you for your time and we respectfully request the application is approved. Thank you, Thank you very much, Mr Stocking. Uh, okay, uh, we have no other speakers on this application, so it's over to you members uh, for your comments. Richard. Richard, Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> the only comment I can make about this is that 
It doesn't seem to have any children's play equipment, but it may not be required for a development of this size. Uh, but uh, there's a, an area of green in the middle, which is fine. Uh, but if you've got 31 dwellings, it would be nice to have, uh, if not a locally, a local equipped area of play, a leap, then something which goes a little way towards it. I think it's unrealistic to not have children's play equipment on a site of this size. Um, I understand it's not a condition that you can therefore enforce, but uh, it tends to be the sort of thing that the parish council get together perhaps with the residence due, uh, group and provide. So, uh, uh, Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. In respect of the uh, um, presentation by Councillor Redfern, um, we have condition three. Does that need beefing up? I'll take that. I mean, I think if, uh, if the developer enterprise are happy with the wording, then I think we can certainly look at what's been put forward, and I'm sure they'll sit down and come to a, an amicable agreement about the wording. Uh, Mr. Brown? So I'd just like to, to clarify something on that um, and hopefully provide a little comfort on, on that point. So the conditions that the, the suggested wording that Councillor Redfern read out, it was seen before the report was drafted, so I had seen those suggested conditions, um, agreed with the intent behind them, but they're rephrased basically. It, it is conditions three, which relates to the protection of the hedgerow um, and details that need to be submitted about how that might be achieved. And then there's condition five as well that secures details of any boundary treatment as well. But um, yeah, so the Everything that's trying to be achieved through those suggested conditions is attempted through the suggested conditions here before you at conditions three and five. So hopefully that puts your mind at rest there. Um, I just want, while well, I've got the microphone as well, just to um, clarify about the public open space as well. So we, um, I fully accept the point you're making about usability of, of public open space and play space. Uh, the truth is we don't have a policy that requires the provision of equipped play space on this development. Um, that is intended to be an informal area, or, well, fairly formal by design, but informal recreation area with no play equipment. Uh, thank you, Luke. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Oh, thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, Mr Chairman, I'm, I'm very pleased that the Parish Council have uh, been talking to the developer, and hopefully with this condition of the hedge being... Um, made to stay there, then that, that would be agreeable. One of the things which we did discuss last year, um, one of the main concerns of the Parish Council then, was the access to the, the actual development. Now the access, access on there, I hope, is wide enough so that when you do come out on the main road, you can actually see up and down the road. Because that, to me, was the only thing last year that was really of major concern when you actually come out there, the traffic is coming. If it's come from Stumps Cross, it's growing like the clappers, and you, you only see it, I won't say at the last minute, but not very far away, uh, and also coming the other way. It's fairly quickly uh, anyway, but if the parish council are happy with that, then I'm happy to propose approval. But that is the one concern I have about the access. Okay. Uh, does that find a seconder? Councillor Davey. Um Put that over to Mr Brown just to clarify the highways position. Well, well I'll, first of all, I let. I'm going to clarify this thing about the the boundary condition, the the boundary hedgerow. 
we do know what we're doing here. <laughs> this isn't the first application we've ever dealt with involving a hedgerow. And so I, and I, 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 I just, I'm finding it a little bit alarming that suddenly, I think what Luke's just said, what Luke's suggested, well, what the officer suggested condition three here says, does well, exactly what Councillor Redfern does, because it requires some details to be submitted. Having said that, this is more this belt and braces with a couple of belts and a few more braces, which are really not necessary. But what Councillor Redfern has just suggested, that's not suggested by an arboriculturalist, I should add, is be added by a lawyer, um, adds even more to this condition. There's no harm including this, but I actually do not actually think this condition, the wording of this condition, is actually any more necessary, does any more than what, what the suggested condition does. But I don't think it actually causes any harm by including that, to be absolutely blunt. But I find it absolutely pointless, and it does provide no flexibility whatsoever, should anything else happen, in terms of protecting the tree. So I think it's just trying to double-guess every single situation. And it also says things like planting season October to March that is not necessarily October to March. It doesn't, the season doesn't just suddenly change on the 1st of October. So things like that. This is a lawyer drafting a condition, not an arboriculturalist. I don't think it is necessary to reword the condition. And I think your suggestion of coming out with a worded condition in consultation, the, 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 the uh, applicant's quite happy. I'm sure that we can come up with a worded condition, but I can actually, and we can do that with the parish if necessary, to actually agree that. But I can guarantee it won't come much different to what okay. Condition 3 actually already says. In terms of highways, I'll pass that across to, to Luke Tye to answer. Yeah, all I was going to say on the highways point is so the outline planning permission um, included the matter of access as well, so that is the, the vehicle access that we're talking there off Warden Road. So it's looked at at that stage. Um, also highways have, um, or the Highway Authority I should say, have been consulted on this finalised layout as well, just to check they're happy with that as well, which is the same point of access. Um, so really that's all I wanted to do, was just clarify that it's been looked at at both stages and been found to be acceptable. Okay, gentlemen, if we're all happy, then uh, we have a proposer. Uh, we have a seconder, Councillor Davey. Um, the recommendation is for approval. All those in favour, please show. Uh, that is unanimous. Thank you very much. Thank you, Luke. And we're moving on to UTT 16-2024. Full land south of Berry Grove, White Ditch Lane. And Mr. Murtos will take us through this application. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon, Committee. Can you see that up there? Okay, this is a proposal. Whoop. Sorry, back. This is a proposal to uh, construct 20 dwellings on the site just to the north of the Carla development on White Ditch Lane in Newport. Um, there is an, uh, an outline proposal which was refused by Council and approved on appeal for 15 dwellings on this site um, and reserve matters were later approved by Council uh, in 2016. So essentially what's up for grabs here is an additional five dwellings on the site. Um, I'll just flick through if I can to the... Okay, so this is the, this is the layout. Um, 
just taking in slightly uh, extended um, part of the site. The Carla development ends about at about this point. Can you see the mouse? Yeah, at about this point, um, and it's just to the south. Um, sorry, I've lost the mouse. Like you did. How did you make the mouse come back, Karen? Okay, uh, and uh, so it extends just beyond the, the western boundary of the Carla development. Um, so the developer has taken in a slightly bigger parcel of land than for the 15 uh, house uh, approval, but doesn't take up much more in terms of uh, site coverage, hard surface area and um, uh, floor space, you might say, than uh, 15 house approval. That's been done by um, essentially using the same sort of footprint for these houses in the centre of the site, instead of them being large, single, detached dwellings, they've been, you can see, divided into two and they're sort of attached semis. Uh, I can flick through and show you the floor plans of some of those, if you like. So those are the bigger houses at the front and back corners of the site. And this is what the attached semis look like. So these are... 18 and 19, that's a, a sample floor plan of the affordable dwellings. Some of the affordable dwellings, whoops. And somehow my other ones didn't make it in there. Um, okay. So the main concern from the Paris Council and um, other objectors was the increase in traffic uh, and those sort of things. If, you've, if you know that White Ditch Lane area, which most of you probably will, uh, it's quite a narrow uh, road, it's actually a byway and um, there's a lot of development going on. It's just outside Newport, Newport uh, development limits and um, the capacity for it to take any more traffic is um, a significant concern. Um, so the increase in traffic as compared to the approved 15 on the site was um, one of the most significant things. Um, the this uh, site requires 46 um, parking spaces. The developers are over-provided at 49 with um, six visitor spaces. And they've also agreed with County Council just about here to provide a passing bay in the, in the roadway of White Ditch Lane uh, and sort of widen the uh, throat of the, of the access road coming in. Um, The other changes, I suppose, are uh, as opposed to having the original six uh, affordable dwellings, there's now uh, eight, um, just in keeping with Council's policy about the provision of affordable dwellings. And um, there's also some of these houses which were originally two-storey, uh, all the houses were originally two-storey, and now there's a significant proportion of them are sort of two-and-a-half-storey scale now with um, bedrooms and things up at attic levels. Um, and my recommendation is for uh, approval with some uh, additional uh, uh, conditions and a, a Section 106 obligation, so just the requirement for that passing bay and things to be delivered. Um, you'll hear more from this about more about this from the applicant, but there's um, some conditions in my recommendation that we we will agree to uh, vary. Um, there's a there's a condition on there that suggests that uh, the applicant undertake a dilapidation survey of White Ditch Lane and then repair it later on. Um, Essex County Council no longer requires that, so um, we're happy for that condition to be taken off the uh, uh, recommendation. And also I'd recommend that um, they get until the 1st of August to complete the 
106 agreement, but um, they, they need a little bit longer uh, until the 1st of September, and we're happy to support that as well. Thank you very much. Uh, right, uh, we have one speaker on this application, uh, Mr Bampton, if you'd like to come forward. Uh, you have three minutes. Chair and Committee, um, I think most of you know me already, but I'm Bill Bampton from Pelham Structures, the agent for the application. Um, I just wanted to um, elaborate on one or two things that um, Planning Officer Luke has, has mentioned. Um, with the volumes, square footages, etc., on this site, I just wanted to make it clear where there was um, 15 houses previously, of which nine were open market. With this application, where 12 are open market, there is no increase in either build form or volume. There is, in fact, a slight decrease because there's less garaging than there was before. So the only increase in build area volume, which is very, very minimal, is because of the two extra low-cost housing. Um, as you are no doubt aware, I, I have a fairly intimate knowledge of this area because I've been dealing with it probably in the um, committee's mind for far too long. Um, I did want to mention something about um, traffic in particular, which is obviously the biggest concern that people have. Um, this particular development um, we've liaised quite closely with highways and with particularly the access to the site, because that won't only act as an access to this site, but it does provide a suitable turning head for any large vehicles that end up up White Ditch Lane inadvertently or delivering to other people, because at the moment there's nowhere for them to turn around. So we think that's very important and also important that it's you know, provided right at the beginning of the scheme. Um, because there's next to no increase in build form, we don't believe there'll be any significant increase in the amount of construction traffic that's required um, during the build phase. And once the scheme is complete, because the average size of the houses are smaller, we believe the increase in traffic probably won't be purely numeric, it's five extra, it's probably the equivalent of three um, or thereabouts. Um, there were, I was going to mention the two, um, the um, 106 extension and the condition that you agreed previously wasn't actually lawful, but that's been dealt with. So that leaves me actually in the slightly unusual situation that I'd like to refer you to condition H. Um, condition H is the provision of the um, passing bay on White Ditch Lane. And I mentioned earlier about the turning head being able to provide for larger vehicles to turn. Um, perhaps Luke could point out um, where the, where the um, passing bay is on the other side of the road. Um, the passing bay was included in the 15-house scheme, and it's been designed to be long enough for HGVs to pass. And all I'm asking with Condition H is that you give the planning officer the discretion to make it slightly tougher, um, because at the moment it says it has to be done before 
the development is occupied, where I believe it needs doing at the earliest practical stage because it's the construction traffic that it's designed to ease. Um, it would be too onerous to make the condition pre-start because we need to be able to get on site to actually do the work. But I'd like the, the committees to the committee to give the planning officer the discretion, if you're mindful, to approve that we can negotiate a condition that ties that to the earliest practical point of delivery. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bampton. That was a first, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Brown just to clarify exactly what we're trying to do there. I presume it's some sort of time limit of three months or so, perhaps, from starting on site. Well, can I, can I just clarify? The, the, there's no condition H. It's condition 2. <laughs> and what, um, what the officer was, first of all, picking up the point from the officer, what we are suggesting is that conditions 2 is varied to omit F and G. And, and, and I'm happy to pick questions up on that one later on because I have had discussions with the parish council on that particular issue. And what Mr Bampton is suggesting is that we tighten up on condition H. Um, condition, the whole point... You know, it's going to, this is going to become more and more surreal as we carry on. I don't think we can make it tougher because it, uh, the only way you can make it tougher, and this is not, and I, and I agree with the agent here, we, is either prior to occupation or is prior to development. And we're not suggesting prior to development. Um, we could say prior to within three months of the commencement of development. Um, and, 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 but if members are mindful to do that, we're quite happy to do that. But if the, the agent, who's also the developer here, is prepared to do that is not absolutely necessary, but maybe to give, to give it a little bit and live, give some comfort, I think, to the to the local people in that area and to the parish council who are, you know are actually living a nightmare down here in terms of all the stuff that's going on in that end of Newport. It could be a suggestion that that within prior within three months of the commencement of development, and then then that's when it comes in. So I think three months is probably the right period, I think, and that would certainly be well before occupation. Yeah. And I would say picking up. Um, but then that's the other re the reason why, and also if you would like me to pick up F&G, members may recall that a previous development, uh, that, that was set up as a separate condition and which was duly removed. Um, and because I agree, it's, it's, not, it's not actually a, um, a, a lawful condition for actually, and it's disproportionate to insist that one developer is responsible for the whole of White Ditch Lane, although this is 20 dwellings. Um, what has come out of those discussions, just as an update and possibly to give the Newport member a, some sort of comfort here, was there was a meeting with the Parish Council, myself and the Highway Authority with the leader of the Council some months back, where rather than have that particular condition put on, because we have had applications for that condition to be removed, that the county itself as a Highway Authority carries out the existing situation within, within White Ditch Lane, and because we are talking to smaller developers here, and you know, this is the largest of all the developments in that particular going off White Ditch Lane, all of which I've been working out locally with our building control team, we will work locally with each developer. And we, my team can quite happily, my, my enforcement team can quite happily ha act as the policeman. So if there is a particular developer that's particularly wrecking the road and wrecking the verges, which I don't think will happen because we're talking to local responsible developers here, then we can usually actually provide the evidence if the county council want to use their arm to actually, the county council as the highway authority have the power to go back to a developer and say, here's what it was before, 
it was you that's wrecked it to this condition, so it's your responsibility to put it right. And so it's a joint operation between us and the County Council. I need an update from the County Council in terms of whether they've done the existing survey of White Ditch Lane yet, because unless they do that, we can't do the latter. But it is not for the developer. That's why FNG have gone, and we're happy to tighten up H if, if members are mindful to approve this. <coughs> Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Brown, for that clarification. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, yes, this is uh, in my ward, in Newport Ward, and um, again, certainly do appreciate the, the work that's gone into uh, the various conditions that you're trying to achieve here. Um, stepping back a little bit, um, the big issue that we have in Newport, obviously, is our um, transport issues, the traffic problems, and certainly um, the transport study that came out a couple of weeks ago did raise uh, the amber lights around the junction of our um, B183 and the Berrywater Lane, which of course is a junction to the school and White Ditch Lane as well. Um, before I carry on, I had been asked by Councillor Hargreaves, who's unable to be here today, just to read his um, comments that are in, in the documents. That actually, I just want to, for the benefit of the members, just to remind them some of the issues that actually are pertinent to this application, if I may. Um, I read verbatim, the appeal decision and the proposal documents cast doubt on Council's five-year housing figure. However, there is an error as evidence in the recent refusal of a 95-house proposal in Newport. Since the appeal, many more dwellings and other uses have been approved nearby, increasing local congestion. Uh, the application is in breach of policy Gen 1, in that it would not be capable of being accommodated on the surrounding transport network and would compromise road safety and would not take into account of the needs of cyclists, pedestrians, horse riders and people whose mobility is impaired or in encourage movement by means other than driving a car. The design and access statement says that it's close access to village facilities and the primary school. This is not correct. The primary school is a mile away uh, along a convoluted route crossing four roads. Uh, the bus services quoted are all but one school service and no longer go to the airport. And the reference to employment on Cambridge Road is out of date. Uh, it is all now a housing estate, a matter that the applicant must be fully aware of, but has chosen to copy out-of-date material as it makes the application look better. Uh, there is no main sewer. Uh, the development at the very bottom of uh, Whitedish Lane may be able to connect, but otherwise the septic tank outflow from around 50 houses along the lane will be required to soak away. Uh, nearby ground often has standing water in winter, and the cumulative impact should be assessed at uh, outline planning stage rather than relying on a condition for a solution later. Um, so that, that's one, issue, one set of comments from Councillor Hargreaves and I, I, I happen to agree with, with them. Um, my main issue is, is the fact that I, I think that you know, the, the, the transport problem, the traffic congestion, particularly not just on White Ditch Lane but actually at the junction of, of um, Berrywater Lane and our, our, our main road is already at, um, at critical point, actually, and, and it is at stress level, at the orange stress level in the transport study. So on that, policy, on that issue alone, in, in fact, in breach of Gen 1 alone, um, I, I can't vote for this. I'll be voting against this. Thank you. Um, Councillor Hicks? Thank you, Chairman. I was just about to ask, it hasn't outline planning permission already been given for this site? 
I'll ask uh, Mr Brown just to give us a little bit of the planning history on this because this came before this committee um, around about 18 months, two years ago when I think we refused it. Um, it was then overturned at appeal. Um, this is a slightly different application but I'll let Mr Brown clarify that. that yeah, what's happened on this site, this, this was one actually, the, we had a number of sites way back, we're talking 12, 12, 20, about 2012, 2013 period where we had the Carla site came forward as an outline planning application um, we also had the, um, the care home that came to the same committee adjacent to it. And this site, that's to the south of this site. And this came, this came forward as a development of 15 houses for outline planning permission. Officers refused it under, under delegated powers because we felt at that point it was, it, nothing had happened in White Ditch Lane and it was a detached piece of land and it was disconnected from the Carla land, well, what is now the Carla land to the south. And so that was refused for those particular reasons and that was allowed on appeal. So that was actually allowed on appeal for 15 houses. That was before we've had all the other stuff going on on White Ditch Lane. Since then we have had um, reserve matters has been approved for 15 houses on that site as well. And so it has outline plan permission and reserve permission for 15 houses. So we're talking about uh, 15 houses already been approved and this is an application for 20 houses. Um, and while I'm on, I would pick up the point that the agent has made, and I think it's a valid point. It's, it's 15 large dwellings to a mix of dwellings. So there is, you know, the built format is the same. And I don't think the agent's being clever when he says, although the increase of dwellings by an extra five dwellings, the traffic flow, it's smaller dwellings. So the traffic flow, there would be a slight increase of probably, I can't actually, it's not as mechanical as that, but, it's, uh, sure. but there has been an increase. But it is, has got outline plan permission and detailed permission for 15 dwellings. Councillor Hicks, I hope that clarifies it. Um, may I come back, Chairman? Yes, the point I was trying to make was, was that um, uh, that's not what this meeting uh, is being presented with. This application has received prior approval. So all these points which Councillor Hargreaves is um, uh, persuading uh, Councillor Gerard to put to us are really irrelevant. All those issues have been determined. And uh, so uh, I really don't understand why we're listening to that. We, we've got to consider what's before us. Yes, I take your point. Okay. Uh, any other comments, gentlemen? Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. We do have to consider what's before us. And I'd like to see some elevations on this as well. Do you have any elevations? Of course, we've been asking to consider a plan without any so far. Is that all we have? No. This building at the top left is the very back of the site and the building at the top at the middle right is the front of the site fronting white chain. These are some internal um, sections of the bigger buildings, the bigger houses. Um, these are the uh, plot one, this is one of the bigger this, uh, this is the bigger house fronting white ditch lane. And these are some plans of it. Yeah. These are the sort of um, attached um, dual tenancy, smaller footprint, uh, s smaller floor plate um, houses, and these are these are their internal okay. yep. plans. And there is a bungalow as well. So there's sort of three or four housing types. If, if that illustrates a bit better for you, Councillor. Sorry, I, I think I flicked through them, but very quickly before yep. trying to find yep. a different drawing. 
Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, the point, Chairman, I think is that certainly if the developer wanted to build out 15 houses, that's very straightforward, the consent is in place. Um, we heard that there was, and it wasn't very clear, at least it wasn't clear to me, uh, that there was some additional parcel of land added and now we want to build out 20 houses. To my mind, an additional parcel of land means that's a separate planning application. You can't just tack it onto the side of an existing planning application. Can we have clarification on that point, please? It is a separate planning application. You're dealing with an application. And just slightly correcting Council Hicks's point here, you ha it has got planning permission for 15 dwellings. This is an application for 20 dwellings, and it's slightly bigger because they, they, they've taken a bit of time. But it still means, and now, okay, that means you are looking at an application, you need to determine it. We'll argue that the differences between the two mean that's the issue we're looking at. If I, if I may then, Chairman. So we are dealing with a new application for 20 dwellings on this site, where originally there was a consent for 10 dwellings, and then 10 went to 15. No, it's for 15. 15 dwellings. There was an application. Okay. In that case, well, we can't, can't debate that now. Councillor, could I, could I answer the question maybe? I'm very sorry to interrupt you. Could I, could I just show you where the boundary of the original development site was perhaps? Yeah, so I think, I think that would be useful. Where, where these, this is White Ditch Lane out this side. Can you see the mouse on the screen? And where these two larger houses are located at the back, the original development boundary on this site finished about here. The actual land title goes back perhaps another 45 metres or so. But the, the, the development boundary, let's call it, finishes here for the purposes of this application. It's about 250 metres deep, the development site. The original development site was maybe 230 metres deep, say. And so they've taken up a bit more of the allotment to build on, mainly though, or entirely, to do with the increased need for parking and manoeuvring to do with the buildings. So the buildings don't actually take up any more of the land. It's, it's to do with the need for more parking and, the, and more hard surface that they need to get in and out of the parking. The buildings themselves don't have, actually have any more, take up any more space because they've used the same building footprints, but mostly they've just cut them in half, if that answers the question. Yeah, thank you. But just to finish the point then, we've gone from 15 to 20. Uh, it's a difficult thing to my mind to say, well, we are going to increase by 33% or whatever, uh, where there is already considerable pressure on various aspects, not so much of this site, but the access to the site. So I'm mindful against this uh, proposal. Uh, although they are, it is efficient use of land and doubtless the officers have put a lot of work into this, it's quite clear. Uh, and I'm sure when it's built out it would be quite attractive, but I still think the principle of going from 15 to 20 uh, on the back of an existing, applica uh, 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 existing consent is a bad one and one which I, I would be reluctant to support. Councillor Ranger and then Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, it's just an observation, really. Um, we do find ourselves spending an awful lot of time at some of these hearings where members clearly, since the 27th of June, have not looked at the documents. To ask for elevations on houses at this stage is ludicrous, in my opinion. Thank you. Chairman, actually, I think it's the right thing to do. You <coughs> must be properly informed. 
Councillor Chambers. Well, Mr Chairman, um, last time this came up here, uh, before here, we um, decided to refuse the application. And it went to appeal and it was approved. Can I ask the officers, when the planning inspectorate refused it, did they actually come out and have a look at the site? First of all, can I clarify, members did not refuse it. It was, a members, it was an officer's decision to refuse it. Mm -hmm. And secondly, yeah, just to confirm that a bit. And secondly, of course, the inspector would have visited the site in considering the application. Definitely did. Definitely. Members, the officer, the inspector would have visited the site. Because, Mr Chairman, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, especially now, even more so, the officer's proposed refusal, I can understand uh, it went uh, before an inspector who approved it, unfortunately, didn't agree with the officers, but I have to say that uh, I, I know we've got to have lots of housing in lots of different places, but one of the worst places to put housing is where we're putting all this housing in this particular part of Newport. Yeah. I'm sorry, it doesn't... I understand, I'm probably all going to say I'm crazy if you like, you can say what you like, but to actually... If everybody who knows that, I think most of the members of the committee have actually been there and visited it. It is the sort of area where congestion is always there, whether it's peak time or not, because you've got the school there and you've got everything else. Unless something is done with some sort of infrastructure, then I'm sorry, you're going to have something nasty could happen there. And I'm sorry, but I cannot um, go along with this proposal. Okay, um, I have Councillor Lachlan and then uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you. Well, um, from my point of view, I'm very pleased about the mix of housing because the housing that is here are the kind of housing that we're always asking for because we've, we've got, um, well, reading this, we've got eight two bedrooms and we've got four three bedrooms and uh, the rest, there's four bedrooms, five bedrooms, but the majority of them, uh, I wouldn't say they were affordable because you can't actually define affordable, but they are the smaller houses that we always look for. They're not these great big mansions that uh, our young people can't afford. So, um, and that actually is quite unusual for a developer to um, put that mix of housing in. They usually go for uh, the bigger houses they can, and then, uh, you know, by way as a gift, uh, a few smaller houses, but that hasn't happened here. So to me, that's in uh, its favour. Um, highways don't seem to have too much of a problem. It is, it is what it is. It has been developed. It will be further developed. And I believe that if we refuse this, it will win on appeal. It won on appeal for the 15, and I do believe it will win on appeal for the 20. Uh, it, I think it's a sensible application, and I really cannot find any policy reasons that I can refuse this on, so I will be going for approval. Um, I find myself in complete agreement with you, Councillor Lachlan. Right, uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, I... Uh, it wasn't a proposal. I'll take that in a minute. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I 
tend to agree with both Councillor Lochman and Councillor Chambers. I think there are two issues here. I think it is an efficient um, um, layout of land. It looks very impressive to me. Um, we also do need that kind of mix. But what Councillor Chambers has said is more pertinent. We're here not just to look at the science. Driving out there and looking at the place, you can see that it's one of the serious bottlenecks and problems of the traffic. It is also a hazard. We're talking about schools here. And the big issue we haven't discussed, we haven't addressed, is that there is actually a scientific transport study which intervenes between the appeal being granted and this application coming through. The transport study is unequivocal, that this is a, is a, is a pinch point and a hazardous area to consider more housing. And the difference between 15 and 20 houses is substantial in the sense you're talking about five more houses with cars using the same piece of ground. So on that basis alone, in terms of, uh, in terms of Gen 1, in terms of access and, and egress to that site, we cannot support this. It's not just wrong. If it were 15 houses in the kind of layout that Councillor Lachlan is talking about, I would probably support this process. But we are pushing things to a limit here, and I can't support on that basis. Councillor Ranger. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, the increase is, we've heard, is nominal in terms of traffic flow. All these um, issues were... Um, examined at outline stage, highways have not objected to an increase and the bonus from our point of view is that there are additional affordable homes in the scheme now as well. So I would like to make a formal uh, proposal that we accept the officer's recommendation for approval. Does that find a seconder? Seconded, Chairman. Okay, Councillor Hicks, I'm going to take Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I need to go back to highways because there's a key word here. I don't always agree with highways. In fact, I very, very seldom do. Uh, but it does say, uh, no objections subject to conditions, including upgrade works to White Ditch Lane and the construction of a passing bay to improve traffic flow. And here is the key word, and safety. And as far as I'm concerned, I've never, I haven't seen that very often, but that to me means that they have come to see it They've taken account, and safety is their keyword. And I'm sorry, I don't really think that I can go against that. Councillor Fairhurst, just a final point. Yeah, sorry, Mr. Chairman, just to, to clarify that. That is, that is pretty straightforward, self-evident, but it predates the scientific transport study, which says exactly the opposite. So I, I, I take exactly what you're saying, but we've got to look at the, most, the latest information. The latest information is that this is a dangerous hazardous point. Sorry, I'm, I'm on the planning committee. I'm not a physicist, I'm not a scientist. I'm purely doing this on planning reasons, and that's what I'll vote on. Councillor Ranger. Chairman, on taking what Councillor Fairhurst has just said, we've got to put a stop on all building work in White Ditch Lane. Mm. Stop <coughs> all the sites immediately. Okay. What, what's going on? Uh, okay, I have, uh, I'm going to make my final comment. I do find myself in agreement with Councillor Lachlan. One thing I would just remind uh, members is that the original uh, refusal by officers was before the Carla site and some of the other development came forward. So therefore this was, you know, this was looked at in isolation at that time when it was a long linear development which uh, didn't really have much infrastructure around it. I think that we've moved on from then. Um, I also find myself in agreement with Mr. Uh, Councillor Ranger that uh, basically our square footage hasn't changed and that the mix now is much more appropriate for what our requirements are within the community. So uh, from that point of view, I have, a, I have a recommendation for approval and I have a seconder. Um, could we please go to the vote, please? All those in favour of? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six for those against? 
I have four. Uh, that motion is carried. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Luke. Officer Theobald will now take us through application UTT 170462, um, which is an application for tandems in Great Canfield Road, Takeley. Clive. Thank you, Chair. This full application relates to the provision of four day rooms at this authorised gypsy traveller site in Takeley, one for each approved site pitch. Each day room would be on this plan here. You can see the site layout showing in hatched form the intended siting of each mobile home per pitch, although that's not necessarily fixed in stone. And at right angles to each of the four uh, mobile homes or uh, caravans, you can see in a, a black and a white uh, building format with a ridged roof, one day room per plot. And on the top right of those is an existing mobile home. I'll just show you the plans. This is the elevation treatment of each day room. And I'll just, for benefit of members here, show you the context. This is the site looking from Great Canfield Drive to the site. This is the site entrance and this is looking down the site to plot three on the right hand side. Um, I've been advised by the contractor who's undertaking the site works that the, the, the road has actually now been tarmacked to, in fact, adopt all highway standards, although that's not been confirmed. This is looking across the site, uh, looking in a west direction towards the flank boundary with the adjacent property on Canfield Drive. This is the site entrance in. Uh, this is looking southeast uh, towards the corner of the site with an existing mobile home which is not part of this application site, but which has in itself uh, a consent. And these are just general photographs. This is looking uh, back up towards the top corner of the site with Canfield Drive. Again, down the site. Uh, this is plot three. Now this is the mobile home for plot three. Uh, it has a brick skirting, although it is on wheels and jacks. I can confirm that. This is looking more or less due east across plot three. Uh, the other three plots don't have mobile homes at the moment on them, or caravans. And this is looking from the hard standing for plot three, pitch three, across diagonally to the northeast corner of the site, which is where the existing mobile home is for that.
Now, Chairman, this publication, as I said, relates to day rooms at this traveller site. Each day room would have a rectangular footprint and would measure 10.9 metres by 3.9 metres deep and would be externally clad in lightweight roofing and uh, uh, timber effect weatherboarding. Each day room will comprise an identical kitchen, dining, sitting area, bathroom, utility and storage facility. The, the four approved pitches are currently being laid out, as I've just shown you, on the site with the static caravan in place for plot three. Now, the planning issues relevant to this application proposal are the principle of development, design, impact on countryside, impact on residential amenity and impact on highway safety. Given the first, given that the Council has already approved the Gypsy Traveller site at this rural location, and given that it has been accepted through various government advice and design best practice relating to gypsy traveller site provision, that day rooms for gypsies and travellers are now regarded as being required for them in recognition of their cultural attitudes and beliefs, that the principle of providing day rooms for the occupants of the four approved plots at Tandems is therefore not in question. In terms of design, it is considered by your officers that the design and external appearance of the day rooms proposed for this site location are acceptable, where at 42 square metres they will be slightly larger than the recommended template guide for day rooms for such sized sites, although in this case the day rooms have been purposely designed so as to accommodate shed storage integral with them, rather than having individual sheds sited outside, which could result in a proliferation of sheds across the site. It is also considered by your officers that the day rooms would not have a detrimental effect on the site's rural surroundings whilst fulfilling their functional purpose whereby the additional built form on the site would not be evident in the wider context beyond Canfield Drive and its immediate environs. The day rooms have been positioned for the plots so that they would not have a significant impact on the residential amenities of the nearest local residents along Canfield Drive in terms of closeness to flank boundaries, noise and disturbance, particularly on those of the adjacent property to the immediate west. Essex County Council Highways have not objected to the development on highway safety grounds, where it should be noted that Canfield Drive is a private drive maintainable at, public, at private expense, and who have advised that there is adequate width and visibility at the junction with Great Canfield Road. A recent officer inspection has shown that large potholes have been filled in along the drive, which it is understood, although not confirmed, have been carried out by the contractor carrying out the groundworks at the site. Whilst the various concerns expressed by the Parish Council and third parties relating to this proposal, relating to potential future use of the day rooms if approved as additional principal accommodation on the site are noted and appreciated, these cannot be considered in the context of the additional site provision as being reasonably sought by the applicant for this application proposal, and it would be therefore inappropriate to prejudge the proposal in this context. However, as an amenity safeguard, a condition has been recommended by officers that each day room permitted for each pitch shall be only used for purposes ancillary to the gypsy traveller pitches previously approved for this site, that they shall not be used for separate gypsy traveller accommodation as independent family units, which can be enforced, where, unusually, the applicant's agent has advised that the applicant is more than happy for this condition to be imposed. It is therefore recommended, Chairman, that the application be approved in accordance with the officer recommendation. Thank you. 
thank you, uh, Mr. Theobald. Um, we have three speakers on this application, and I'm going to take uh, District Councillor Keith Artis first. Keith, you have uh, three minutes. Five minutes, I'm informed. So right, I'll, be, I'll be quick. Uh, wow, that's a hell of a mobile home, isn't it? But uh, anyway, I've been asked to, to speak on this application um, by uh, the residents and uh, Great Canfield Parish Council, and I'd like to, uh, to give their views. Uh, as a, a former uh, developer of property myself, um, and now part of this uh, gamekeepers organisation, um, it's really annoying to see our planning it, uh, system taken for a ride. There is a well-known principle of incrementalism or development by stealth that I'm sure you're aware of, but uh, residents uh, uh, and the parish council seem to view that uh, our planning department is in denial about this. The owner of this site claims to be of the travelling community, but this is not a gypsy issue. It's a matter of ensuring that all applications are treated equally according to planning requirements and that planning applications do not take the mickey out of our system. Despite residents' objections as to the nature and intentions of this site, planning was given for one long-stay plot for the application's personal use, then using the incremental process permission granted for extra plots for his family. I'm led to believe by the Parish Council that uh, it may not surprise you that family members have never actually used these family plots. Since then, the incremental process was used yet again to allow yet more plots, which, surprise, surprise, have been sold off to a property developer. When or when are planners going to wise up to this tactics, no matter who it's from? The application now will, if approved, allow buildings equivalent to eight large static mobile homes on a plot not deemed able by Uttlesford to sustain houses thus causing the equivalent traffic, road, access, rubbish, fire, ambulance and all other service and access issues that the council sought to prevent when it first refused the application for houses on this site. I ask that this committee looks hard at this application, its history and quite rightly prevent the manipulation of our planning system. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Artis. Um, Mr Kellerman. You have three minutes. Uh, Mr Chairman, thank you for allowing me to speak. I oppose this uh, proposal as a resident um, of Hope End. This, as Yogi Bear once said, is like deja vu all over again. Um, 2008, 2010, 11, 12, 15 and 17 have seen the project expand with no end in sight. As uh, uh, Councillor Arter said, this is not a gypsy issue. This is about planning. I have no arguments with those who wish to find economical living space in our generation-long housing crisis, but I'm truly amazed by you, the planners, um, for abandoning all principles and rules and clearly stated in your reasons for turning down four houses on the same site in 2010. Your decisions are inconsistent, unfair and illogical. The justification for these four day rooms is based upon a now defunct recommendation 2015. There are five approved pitches and they all have large luxurious static homes. You've seen the pictures of them. The need for day rooms doesn't exist. If it did exist, then they should have been included in the last application. In 2008, you agreed for one long stay gypsy site for the personal use of Mr. Boswell. Sensibly, you put uh, strict rules about its use and its duration. You were warned by Great Canfield Parish Council for future developments and setting precedent. Very many residents said the same. The restrictions you placed were then turned over at appeal in 2011. However, the inspector 
recommended only one static home and caravan, and I quote, to avoid proliferation of mobile homes and caravans which may adversely affect the character of the area. That was February 2012. In 2010, you clearly and unambiguously turned down plans for four houses on this plot. Now your planning officer is suggesting that it can sustain nine homes and five touring caravans on a single track road. There are already uh, eight uh, households on Canfield Drive. There may be implications for emergency and access to this property. We are now on a roll with an application for an extra two sites the Boswell family, uh, for the Boswell family, who were at that time living in Brixton Water. Uh, they were never built, there was no need, and barely a sod was ever turned. In 2015, another two pitches were applied for and approved. No need had been demonstrated, no building had ever taken place, the pattern and precedent had been set. Nothing could be refused, regardless of the complete disregard of your own planning rules and the need to treat the settled and travelling community equally in planning terms. In February of this year, you've now, uh, the site has now been sold to a very respected developer, Mr. Hart. The four day rooms, measuring 10 by um, 3.9, essentially doubling the accommodation. So I'd say to you, as a committee, forget about gypsy good practices as recommended in the, the publications, but concentrate on your own good planning practices. The site looks immaculate. Tarmac roads, high neat fences, pavements, concrete, slabs, electric uh, gates, totally out of keeping with the surrounding area. You've lost control and are unable to see the cumulative errors of each new application. The Trojan horse that I warned you about on several occasions here in this chamber has arrived and the horse will soon be kicking down a sable door near you. So please listen to this. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Kellerman. Uh, and I have uh, Julie Barlow from the Parish Council. <coughs> Five minutes. Good afternoon. This site has a long and complex history with applications for residential properties for the settled community being refused due to sustainability and rural harm. The Planning Committee will be aware that previous best practice guidance of 2008 for design of traveller sites has been withdrawn, and the Parish Council would therefore ask that the Planning Committee gives due consideration to the Government's planning policy for traveller sites of 2015. There is no requirement as such, therefore, for these day rooms to be approved. The Government's overarching aim in its policy is to ensure fair and equal treatment for travellers whilst respecting the interests of the settled community. When assessing the suitability of sites in rural or semi-rural settings, local planning authorities should ensure the scale of such sites does not dominate the nearest settled community. The development now proposed with the addition of day rooms would result in a scale of development on the site that in the Parish Council's opinion would dominate the surrounding settled community and be contrary to government planning policy. During this application, the Parish Council has asked for confirmation on Uttlesford's process for ensuring that those who will occupy the site have traveller status. Uttlesford confirmed there is no set process to check whether occupiers are travellers or not, and suggested that to do so on a monitoring basis would be intrusive. We are advised, however, the site has already been sold by the original traveller family to a respected developer, and the Parish Council is concerned the site could become a development opportunity and not used for its intended purpose. 
The Planning Committee must surely remember that a few years ago it refused permission for four houses to be built upon this land. How can it suddenly now grant permission for four day rooms which will open the door for further development by this developer a couple of years down the line? The Parish Council does understand that each application can only be determined on its own merits, but surely in this instance, having regard to the history of the site, it must be obvious that this is a step towards full development. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Ms Barlow. Um, Okay, I don't think we have any other speakers, so uh, I'm going to ask uh, Mr Brown to clarify a few points on statements that were made there. First of all, I'm going to take some umbrage at being accused of having a wool pulled over our eyes and not know what we're doing. At the end of the day, we approved a traveller's site, um, an extension to the site for this to be a traveller's site. That is exactly what's emerging on the site. And that is exactly what members would have approved. In approving a traveller's site, you're approving pitches. And a pitch would be a mobile home and some static caravans. Not, there's no set rule. There's no set rule that you can only have one mobile or you can only have... But the pitch is one family unit and you need to treat those, traveller, those um, touring caravans and mobiles as rooms. And mobiles can be that big. And part of the role in terms of pitch, it will, it can, and sometimes often does, include day rooms. It is common practice. That's how it works. When you approve a pitch, you have mobile homes, you have tourists, and you have day rooms. So by approving that, this is exactly what we were expecting. The only thing that we have to discuss is the form of those day rooms. Um, and uh, so that is what is happening on site. There is nothing wrong with a developer developing a site for a traveller's site. Um, the word, you know, doing this for a particular purpose, just like building houses. You can build houses for a particular people. It's not necessarily for the Boswell family. That might have been how it was, may have been sold in the past, but it was approved as a traveller's site, and that's exactly what's coming out of the ground. The day room issue is nothing to do with the amount of room that you've got in the mobile home. That is a large mobile home. That is the the size of the sometimes you gather on a traveller's site. There is a cultural issue in terms of why they traditionally have day rooms. Um, And they have day rooms because of the way way some travellers operate, they they have a separate area for washing clothes and, and other issues. Now, that is how it works. And by approving a traveller's site, which has already happened on this site, then you are allowing day rooms. These day rooms are in line with, common, with best practice. They are slightly larger, and they are slightly larger because they include a shed on the side, because there is absolutely no reason why a traveller's site, just like anybody else living in a house, shouldn't have a shed. And what they've done in this particular point is they put four day rooms with a shed attached. That is the difference between the sizes in terms of it. We cannot prejudge what's going to happen on this site and just assume there's been a breach of planning control. There's been no breach of planning control on this site and there still remains no breach of planning control on the site. In the worst case scenario, if this day room started being occupied as anything other than ancillary accommodation to the the traveller's site, which I'm not implying will happen, we'll pull them down because that is what the terminology of why they've been approved. We've also taken away the very, very limited permitted development rights the traveller has on their site anyway. So they can't do anything else without coming to us. So this is not a Trojan horse. This is an application that we approved as a traveller's site 
on this site and is exactly what is coming out of the ground. There is a need for travellers. There's not an overwhelming need for travellers in this district, but there is a need for travellers nonetheless. And when we, have a, when we have an application in an appropriate situation, like we had, we approved it. And that is exactly what's coming out of the ground now. And, a, and the use for day rooms is a legitimate need for travellers to have on their site. If members were going to refuse these, these day rooms per se, that they can't have day rooms, then that would be allowed on appeal. And I can absolutely guarantee it. A traveller not being able to have a day room is, is ridiculous. It's like, it's like approving a house without a bathroom, because that is what potentially you could be doing. Having that said that, the consideration in front of you is the visual impact of these day rooms. And the day rooms are quite appropriate for the size in terms of they're exactly what you would expect from a day room. Uh, right. Thank you, Mr Brown, for those uh, clarifying points. Um, Councillor Ranger and then Councillor Lachlan. Sorry. Thank you, Chairman. Um, <coughs> thank you, Mr Brown, for that uh, clarification. Um, <coughs> if we are minded to approve this, would we be able to condition that no other uh, storage structures are erected on each pitch? Is that the, the permitted development rights that have already been removed? The uh, short answer is yes. The uh, condition that has been imposed, which removes any further uh, right, permitted development rights, uh, therefore effectively takes away that right to build or to site any further structures on the land of an ancillary or functional nature. Thank you, Ms Theobald. Uh, Councillor Lachlan first, then Councillor Freeman. Thank you. Well, uh, I also didn't like to... Uh, here our planning office being insulted they do they're professionals they do a professional job we may not always agree with them but I don't think we need to insult them I think that's offensive so having said that um, Mr Brown actually said most of the uh, things that I wanted to say but somebody said something about uh, somebody visiting or they're not nobody staying there I really don't care where the great aunt Nellie comes to stay I don't ask my neighbour next door if their great aunt Nellie's going to come and stay and I really don't care so uh, we are here just to judge on this planning application the um, conditions are very tight uh, you've heard that and if you look at condition 3 um, uh, you will see that that is uh, pretty tight as well I don't know if anybody knows what it is but I'll read it out for the benefit of perhaps those at the back who haven't seen it and it says the day rooms hereby permitted shall only be used for purposes ancillary to the four gypsy traveller pitches approved at this site under UTT 161712FUL and uh, there's another number and shall not be used for separate gypsy traveller accommodation as independent family units now I think that should satisfy everybody because I think it says it all and I think uh, Mr Theobald has done an excellent job of putting the case for this now I don't know how the vote will go and again I, you know that's not my business every, that's up to every council I personally can't see anything wrong I have seen this site it was neat it was tidy and I was quite envious when I saw the uh, caravan because it, it hit the windows were cleaner than mine for a start and uh, I just thought I, it was just a nice place to live and I have no objection to this whatever Councillor Freeman yes thank you I, I too remember the site um, I'd really like from uh, Officer Brown uh, uh, a clarification I think we've already discussed this but each of these sites you have a pitch for a travelling van and a pitch for a static van and presumably this day room 
is an alternative to the static van. Is that, am I correct? No, it's additional. So if I'm correct, then actually you can have a static van and a travelling van and this day room on each of those pitches. Okay, thank you. Uh, anybody else? <coughs> right. Uh, if there's no other things, then from the chair, I'm going to go with the officer's recommendation for approval. And I'd like to see a show of hands. All those in favour? I think I need a seconder. Janice? Janice is happy to second. Okay. All those in favour of approval? Please show. I have a unanimous decision. Okay. That item is passed. And thank you very much, Mr Theobald. Uh, actually, we'll take a five-minute comfort break, if that's okay, due to Miss Denmark. <laughs>
Councillor Chambers, if you'd like to take your seat. <coughs> Thank you. Yes, that's what worries me. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, Maria, if you'd like to take us through UTT 170924, please. For Castle Maltings, Lower Street, Stansted. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Members will be familiar with this site. Um, it relates to the Castle Maltings and Lower Street within Stansted. The applications for the variation of condition of condition 15, which related to the original planning application for the development of the site, and has uh, uh, now included also condition 12 of the most recent application, which um, varied the design of the site. Uh, the variation is for um, allowing the condition to be altered from pre-commencement uh, uh, for now the condition to be discharged post-completion of the scheme. So where the condition reads, uh, prior to the development, it will now uh, be amended to allow for the details to be discharged following the completion of the development. The wording of condition 15 is outlined in section 3.1 on page 69 of the report. The application follows the failure to discharge the condition prior to commencement of the works on site. As a result, the application has been submitted to remedy the situation. The subject for consideration is solely whether it is acceptable to vary the condition to allow uh, the continued contamination monitoring of the site. Consultation responses um, as a result of the application are outlined on pages 75 to 76 of the report. Uh, members' attention is also drawn to the supplementary rep uh, representation, um, which includes um, late comments from um, Essex Suds team. Um, it should be mentioned that uh, due to the variation of the description of the application, further consultation has been carried out, which has meant that, that the consultation expiry period lapses actually today. No further consultation um, responses have been received um, today but uh, will be monitored uh, up until the end of play uh, of today's business. The applicant has submitted as part of this application a number of uh, contamination reports which have been discussed within the main report of this application. Also as part of this, the Environment Agency, which is fundamentally their condition, have also been um, consulted and um, been kept in discussions with regards to the application. The breach of planning con uh, condition has resulted in a missed op opportunity to undertake the required testing and remediation works on site. Whilst the construction works have been completed, there are a number of monitoring investigations that have been undertaken in order to discharge the condition along the way and to resolve the breach of condition. The latest submitted information indicates that um, mobility of contaminants um, has ceased at the same time as the piling works on site and that it's appeared to be primarily due to underground tank which has been removed as part of the construction works. The Environment Agency have been consulted, as I said, throughout this matter. Uh, whilst they are not satisfied with information provided to be able to discharge the original condition, they are, however, amenable to positively progress this matter um, through amending the condition uh, through continued long-term monitoring of the site and the adjacent Stansted Brook. As a result, um, 
the application is recommended for approval subject to conditions uh, being transferred to this consent and the existing 106 being transferred to this consent with the amendments to allow for long-term monitoring and any necessary remedial work to continue um, should the requirement need to. Um, for clarity, in terms of long-term monitoring, it has been suggested by the e uh, Environment Agency that this will be in the form of a quarterly reviews over the course of a year. Um, Therefore, the application is recommended for approval. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Maria. Um, I believe we did have Mark Harris as a speaker here, but I'm not so sure if that's actually going to happen now. So uh, if that's not the case, then I'll throw this straight open to members um, for your comments. Gentlemen. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, um, it's obviously a very technical situation, this. Uh, and I'd like to know exactly what really happened. Uh, because it seemed to me to be an example where a developer bashed on with doing something and then said, oh dear, at the end of it, um, which is not unfamiliar to us. Um, so perhaps um, uh, Nigel Brown could give us a candid update on what actually happened, because it's not very clear. Yeah, I, I will ask Mr. Brown to yeah. answer that. Uh, you've sort of said it there, as it was, to be honest, but I wouldn't have said it was through bloody-mindedness. I think it was through a little of... There is an element of... It, it may be a bit of ignorance, yes. I mean, we've ended up at the end of a development where they, a condition, important condition which we have been highlighting to them throughout has been important, has resulted, to put it bluntly, in, in, in affecting ongoing sales because of a condition being outstanding, which... That's a little bit of karma there in terms of what's come out at the end. But what in order to sort it out in terms of moving it forward, um, the application, so therefore that is what happened. So we cannot retrospectively discharge a no development shall take place condition. We just can't do that. And we certainly can't leave it hanging because although we have potential occupiers that have gone in and we've got people that hopefully will end up buying these apartments and moving in if this is sorted out, there will be second generation people going in as well. So the only way they can do it is to do an audit of what's happened in terms of the pollution issues and they have done that and they have satisfied us. I think it's the paperwork element and the planning element of it and uh, unfortunately they very belatedly now got a planning uh, consultant on board and I think that was solely missing early on but it's the paperwork in terms of the planning application that was missing and has bitten them later on. There is nothing to there is no question that in terms of the quality of what they've done in terms of the pollution has been technically correct and they've been able to audibly or they've had to go back and audit the fact that everything they've done has been in accordance with what would have been put in had they done it before development has been. And the Environment Agency are wholly satisfied. And they've also need a couple of things, which, which very technical issues, which I think I've got from Maria, and I'm not going to repeat because I may confuse matters even more, which require some, a little, some additional monitoring. I think they've learned their lesson, but in terms of what's actually happened, it's through ignorance rather than through any bloody-mindedness of moving forward. But the audit says there is no pollution issues, subject to a few couple of bits more monitoring to carry on. If I can just add to that, Chairman. That map very eloquently describes it as being right next door to a watercourse, and that means that the monitoring, one year of monitoring, in my view, wouldn't do it, because you can't be sure when things are going to actually be disturbed. The issue here is they've needed to audit what they've done, and there's because of, was it moving, what's... 
it's, um, there was a uh, tank underneath, storage tank, and as a result of the piling, well, they removed the tank, and as a result of the piling works, that's unsettled the pollution levels, which has leached effectively through the site. Um, the recent um, reports um, stated that that's now settled, um, and that as a result of continual monitoring, that will help... Um, I think conclude that the site is safe in terms of contamination and that was only as a result of that particular incident, not as a continuation of the site being throughout heavily contaminated that needs complete remediation works. Um, so the monitoring would allow, uh, I think after a year's period, to make sure that it has all settled, that it doesn't pose um, any further risk um, to the adjacent brook. I think just as a point of clarification, the removal of the diesel tanks as such as a contaminant would have been a finite amount rather than a factory that was producing an ongoing pollutant. Uh, and that's really just the point I wanted to make. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman. I have a rather strange experience of this. I was involved in a petrochemical company for about 10 years. And when we removed tanks, the pollution wasn't from the tank itself. But it was from the seepage we went on, which on sometimes for 10 and 15 years beyond the tank being removed. And it was a bit of a dark art because once you moved the tanks, it looked very good. And we did all the tests. And then five years later, we found there were seepages there again. It forms pockets. Um, and my concern is, if I read the narrative as we hear it today, the tanks have been removed, but we haven't done all the necessary things we have to do. Um, the environmental edge is not satisfied with the information, because it's about information, it's about establishing the clarity. And we do stand on the very real chance that there is going to be contamination of that water course. Um, and so I still certainly will not be supporting this process under any circumstances. I understand it's a pragmatic approach. I think we should be trying to find ways of solving problems rather than, than, than sustaining them. But in this case, I know that it's a, it's a magical creature. It doesn't fix by waiting and doing audits. It's not one year, it's not five years. I've seen ten years later things jump out and bite you. So I should not be supporting this. I just urge members that... Yeah. <laughs> The Environment Agency are involved in this process, and although what, what Maria has, the narrative of what Maria has talked about, what's going forward, that should do the job. If it doesn't, the Environment Agency may require other things. Do nothing is not really an option here, and that is by, by refusing this, is actually doing nothing, if you like, because what we're agreeing here is to actually put further controls in, in terms of ongoing monitoring. If you don't do that, there is no ongoing. I mean, I've got, I've got, I, I, I think this is a paperwork issue. I don't think there's, I've got no doubt about the technical, what's been going on the site, because there's been no indications that, despite not getting the paperwork right, that technically they havenven't got it right. They've got it wrong. Everything is tickety-boo and everything has been sorted out. Um, so by not approving this, you are potentially not putting in the controls that we actually need to do it. And the controls are still there because it's still ha everything still has to be signed off by the environment agents at the end of the day. And then once the actual impact of the development is sorted out, then it is like any other building close to a watercourse. And if there is any pollution that could happen on those particular issues, then that is covered by any, of, any other legislation in terms of what's going, just like any other building, that would, including the building that we're in today. And so therefore, that is, that is, that's going to be ongoing controls. But this is bringing it back under control for a further condition. Thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, uh, I live in Stansted, and so it is a concern. There was uh, the garage had a leak, and petrol got into the watercourse, and I 
don't know if it's still there, but it, it was a good few years before it managed to clear up and it went all through Cannons Mead where our new development is. Uh, and it was pretty horrific at the time. And there, there actually is a big green box at the garage, which was the monitoring station. And uh, as the brook at Stansted goes into the River Stort, uh, is there any way we can... I'm not going to vote against this. I will vote for it for the reasons that you said. But uh, is there any way that we condition it that it can be monitored uh, in the light of what Councillor Fairhurst has said, uh, that it can be monitored further... Because I, I, I agree, I don't think a year is a very long time. So I wonder if we could perhaps do that. The Environment Agency suggested um, a year uh, in quarterly stages to make sure that we get it over a seasonal period. Um, obviously, it's within our gift to extend that period. Obviously, how long um, is something we need to be to think about and how reasonable that is in terms of the length that we consider. Sorry, would five years be because uh, Councillor Fairhurst, who actually seems to know about these, these kinds of things, uh, said they went on for 10 years. Uh, could we, is five years a reasonable compromise and then take it from there? <clears throat> um, I'm going to take Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman, for letting me come back. I'll come back to that. Um, it does say on page 80, 11.2, conclusion, environment agency being consulted, not satisfied with the information provided, <clears throat> amenable to positive progress through long-term monitoring. Chairman, I submit that one year is not long-term. And one of the factors, environmental management used to be my job, and one of the factors with tanks of hydrocarbons is that the contamination can be there for a very long time afterwards. There's a problem with decontaminating a hydrocarbon site. It's a very persistent material. So I would prefer to see monitoring on this, the outfall from this site over a significantly longer period than one year. That wouldn't do it, in my view. I think maybe um, once a year over five years would be more reasonable, paid for, of course, by the developer. Uh, okay, thank you. I'm going to refer this to Mr. Brown just for some clarification on what we can and cannot do. I think we just have to go with our experts who are the environment agency in this particular case. I think we may, I mean, I'm not dis dissing individual councillors, you know, and certainly Councillor Freeman's information of that, bearing in mind his background, but I, I don't think we can make this up on the hoof and say suddenly it takes five years in my ring, or I think it may take four years. The Environment Agency said there needs to be ongoing monitoring for one year. They are the authority on this particular issue. And, and I find it very difficult to try to start playing. It may start weakening it. Maybe, maybe we could put on there or ongoing, ongoing monitoring if required by the Environment Agency. We can certainly put that on. But it has to be the Environment Agency to request this because we've got to get to the point where a development is finished and then after that not try to overthink the issue in terms of you've got an ongoing development like we have ongoing developments and where buildings that are finished that any one of those buildings something could happen whereby there's a contamination issue and we and we need to move on with the building being finished and then there is ongoing controls and what's 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 comforting to me is what's happened on this site in terms of the audit trial going back we haven't had don't often get i'm not saying this is the best way of doing it but in this particular case, we have had to go back and audit the way in which they carried out. We not normally would have done that. We would normally have said, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you need to do this. But in this case, we've gone back in terms of checking what's going on. I don't think 
my issue is just maybe, maybe add additional things to the condition to say additional monitoring if required by the Environment Agency rather than try to double guess. Because five might not, you may be right, it may be an ongoing issue from this development, but it may not be five, it may be seven. So we can't really double guess it. So it may only be two, it may be none at all. So I think putting a, an option to maybe extend ongoing monitoring on the condition may be the way to go. Because, that, because rather than just say, right, after three it's done, that's sorted. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Councillor Ranger. Yes, thank you, Chairman. In the light of the advice we've had, um, I would suggest that we do the quarterly monitoring for the first year with a clause saying exactly as Mr Brown had indicated that at the end of that period, the Environment Agency come back to us with recommendations as they see fit of any other further monitoring, be it annually or otherwise. Okay, thank you very much for that suggestion. Um, would that meet Councillor Freeman and Councillor Fairhurst? Yeah, okay. Uh, it uh, appears that we're all in agreement with that, and I'm going to take Councillor Lachlan. No, well, I'm happy with that because, I mean, we are the planning authority, so we are the one that should put the conditions on it. But if everybody's happy with that, then I, I can go along with that. I think it's actually very sensible. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I get, uh, sorry, Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, I, I'm not sure on the wording, but provided the wording leaves the onus on the, on the environmental agency to sign off yes. on this. Yeah. In other words, as long as we're passing responsibility to them, I will support that process. Okay, uh, I think we're all with you on that one. So um, under those circumstances, uh, do I have uh, a proposer, Councillor Chambers, a seconder in Councillor Fairhurst? I'm happy to go to the vote with that. Chairman, what condition are we um, amending? Right, we're going to amend the right. condition as far as the monitoring to add... Can I, um, sorry, can I butt in? Mm. The, uh, although they've asked to vary condition 15 of the original application and 12 of the most recent one, as part of this process it's in our gift to um, either amend, refuse to amend or alter it how we feel fit. In this instance, because of the, we're asking for a, a longer period of monitoring, um, it's considered better to, be, to actually sit within the Section 106 agreement and to actually delete the condition in this instance. You're happy enough with that, Councillor Ranger? Yeah, OK. Uh, so under those circumstances, I'm happy enough to take it to the vote. Uh, the only thing I would say at this point is that the developer has suffered some consequences here in as much as the 14 apartments have not been able to be sold for quite a lengthy period of time. Now, I'm not crying over that, but I'm just saying, you know, they have felt some pain. So if that mitigates the situation a little. Um, OK, uh, can I have a show of hands, gentlemen? All those in favour of this application? Uh, we are unanimous. OK, that application is approved. And Councillor Ranger? Point of order, Mr Chairman. We're not all gentlemen on this committee. You have a lady yeah, sitting right, right next to you, and I'm, she has a lethal I'm right hook. I'm well aware of that, actually, <laughs> Councillor Ranger. Uh, Officer Jones will now take us through the application for Trutons at Trutons Farm, UTT 171311. Maddie, if you'd like to proceed. Thank you, Chair. 
this application relates to a site to the southwest of Great Dunmo on the southern side of Onga Road. It is outside the de development limits of Great Dunmo. There are two residential properties on the site, which are here and here, and a tennis court here to the south of the site, southwest of the site. These are separated from the application site by a high evergreen hedge, which runs along here. The proposal is for the conversion of an existing tractor store, although this is not an agricultural building, into single-storey, two-bedroom dwelling with associated parking and amenity space. These are the existing elevations of the building. And this slide shows the proposed changes to the building, which are very minor in nature. They're basically, um, it's just an extension of this roof here and filling in some of the openings with glazing. Um, this slide shows the existing and proposed floor plans. The design of the proposal is acceptable and adequate parking and guarding provision would be provided to meet adopted standards. The access arrangements have been considered by Essex County Council Highway Officers and they raise no objections. The proposal would not result in any significant harm to protected species or their habitats. The proposal, however, is not acceptable in principle. This slide shows where the site is located in relation to the town of Great Dunmo. The two housing applications referred to by the agent are located um, here and here. Yeah. This aerial view shows where the building is located in relation to clusters of dwellings and that the site is relatively isolated in planning terms. The site is poorly located in relation to services and facilities and future occupiers of the dwelling would need to rely on, a private, vehicle, uh, on private vehicles to meet their everyday needs, including employment, healthcare, schooling, shopping and leisure facilities. This slide shows the position of the building in relation to the two dwellings on the site. One is a converted listed barn and the other a residential listed building. So there, the two listed buildings. This slide shows the access road facing north. The agent has stated that there is a public footpath linking the site to Great Dunmo. However, the site is located on a main road, close to a bend, and the road at this point does not have any pavements and is unlit. This shows the access road facing south. And this slide shows the building in relation to the other residential properties southwest of the site. Uh, the following uh, slides show photographs of the building to be converted. At the present time, the Council cannot demonstrate a, a de deliverable five-year supply of housing. Paragraph 49 
of the MPPF confirms that housing applications should be considered in the context of the presumption in favour of sustainable development. Relevant policies for the supply of housing should not be considered up to date if the local planning authority cannot demonstrate a five-year supply of deliverable housing sites. The MPPF emphasises that sustainability has three dimensions, an economic role, a social role and an environmental role. This application has been called in to decide if the proposal is unsustainable and an isolated building. The framework itself does not define the meaning of isolated. This application follows two previous applications by the same applicant on the same site that were refused. The applicant did not appeal these decisions. Paragraph 35 of the MPPF states that development should be located and designed where practical to give priority to pedestrian and cycle movements and have high access to high quality public transport facilities. There is very limited public transport provision conveniently available serving this site. The MPPF paragraph 55 states that the local planning authorities should avoid new isolated homes in the countryside in this There are special circumstances, such as the essential need for a rural worker to live permanently at or near their place of work in the countryside, or where the development would reuse redundant or disused buildings and lead to an enhancement to the immediate setting or where such development would represent the optimal viable use of a heritage asset or would be appropriate enabling development to secure the future of heritage assets. The building currently on the site is used for domestic um, storage. Um, it's incorrectly mentioned in my report that it is redundant. It is not redundant, it's used for domestic storage. Paragraph 55 of the MPPF also states that housing should be located where it will enhance or maintain the vitality of rural communities. It goes on to say, where there are groups of smaller settlements, developments in one village may support services in villages nearby. The site is not considered to be close enough to Great Dunmo to be considered to be part of the settlement, and the converted barns on the site are not considered to be large enough group to be regarded as a settlement in their own right. Policy H6 also states that the conversion of rural buildings to dwellings will be permitted if certain criteria is met. This proposal does meet all of the criteria A to E. However, H6 also states that conversion will not be permitted to residential uses on isolated sites in the open countryside, located well well away from existing settlements. This site is considered to be isolated as it is some 1.5 kilometres from the settlement limits of Great Dunmo. The site is not located on the edge of a settlement. The road from the site to Great Dunmo does not have a perfect pavement and is a busy road unsuitable for walking on a regular basis. The proposal therefore does not comply with policy H6. This is consistent with paragraph 55 of the MPPF that states local plan authorities should avoid new isolated homes in the countryside unless there are special circumstances. The proposal does not represent any of the special circumstances listed. Several several recent appeal decisions have been quoted in my report, giving comments on the interpretations of sustainability and isolated in planning terms. In paragraph 1022 of my report, the inspector stated, In my experience, there are two main aspects to be assessed when considering isolation, these being whether the appeal site is physically and spatially isolated relative 
to a settlement and whether it is functionally isolated from services and facilities. This site is considered to be both functionally, physically and spatially isolated. A further material consideration is that if the outbuilding is converted to a dwelling, there will be likely the need for further storage buildings to be built to serve the host dwelling and the new dwelling. This would undermine the framework's aim of recognising the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside. The agent has made reference to a recent decision, UTT 17.02364. However, it is not considered that this is a similar case in that the application relates to a former agricultural building and that the site was within walking distance to a frequent bus service. The building the subject of this application is not a former agricultural building and not in safe walking distance to a bus stop. There was no planning permission in place prior to the retrospective application to retain the tractor shed under UTT 152853 in 2015. The recent change in national permitted development rights relating to the conversion of agricultural buildings to residential clearly also shows the government's intention that agricultural buildings should be regarded differently in planning terms to outbuildings. It appears that the building was rebuilt in 2010 and not as stated by the agent as 2006. Planning application UGT 15.17.5-4 states that works were started in 2010 and indeed UGT 10.66-10-4 does not show the building being present. It is not a heritage asset and if approved it could allow most new outbuildings in the district to be converted to residential use. The application is recommended for refusal. The proposal does not represent sustainable development and therefore is not acceptable in principle. Thank you, Madeline. Uh, okay, we have one speaker, Martin Ranner. On behalf of the applicant, I believe. Mr Ranner, you have three minutes. Thank you, Chair. Um, from the Officer's Report recommendation, I think it's clear from the presentation as well um, that the proposal is acceptable in all terms except sustainability. Um, it's also worth noting that no objections have been received in the Parish Council nor from any other third party consulted on the application. Um, turning to the issue at hand, unlike the majority of the district, the application site is situated close to one of its key service centres, i.e. Great Dunmo, approximately a kilometre away. The site itself is not physically isolated within its countryside setting, being set within the grounds of two dwellings, and there are further 21 dwellings located within 600 metres. It is also noteworthy that there are two new residential developments on Ongar Road currently under construction, the nearest located only 0.4 of a kilometre away. If a building such as this, located so close to a key service centre, is considered isolated and thus not suitable to convert, then when assessed against policies S7 and H6, I think it's fair to say that this would preclude a, a quite, quite a number of residential conversions across the district, and I, I don't see that happening. Um, the MPPF is clear, not, clear in terms of not seeking to prevent uh, rural, buildings, rural building conversions in such a way. Uh, the sustainable reuse of a building to provide modest accommodation that would be suitable for the elderly um, and in a time of housing shortfall will provide social, economic and environmental benefits as a whole should outweigh any minor harm if the proposal was to result in minor journeys by car 
into the nearby town of Great Dunmo. Um, I feel the officer's report is somewhat misleading to the members of the committee. Um, mention is made of six appeal decisions, uh, with the judgments, uh, the judgments of development being isolated and sustainable are discussed by the various inspectors. However, all of these appeals relate to new build housing within the countryside, but not one relating to a conversion of an existing rural building. Indeed, the second case quoted related to a residential development of nine new dwellings and garages. It's widely accepted that the reuse of an existing building is by itself more sustainable than proposals for new build housing, as it's utilising an existing resource. In these circumstances, while the MPPF is, of course, entirely relevant, the sustainability test should be applied proportionately, depending upon the type and size of development proposed. In this case, the test should be applied far less onerously than, say, a development of a multiple number of houses. Um, this application, as I see it, will give rise to no demonstrable harm. And for the aforementioned uh, reasons, I urge members to, to grant the application. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Branner. Um, okay, members, it's over to you. Um, I'll start with Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Having read it all, uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to propose refusal on the grounds of it is um, a policy framework and the policies A7 and H6 of the Uttlesford Local Plan adopted 2005. Okay. Does that find anybody else? That finds Councillor Hicks. You are willing to second that? I'd like to second. Did you want that to speak to at this time? Proposal for refusal and uh, to comment that, um, uh, as in the officer states in 1023, the proposed development does not need to take place there and is not appropriate to the rural area. It's as simple as that, I think. Um, okay. Thank you, we, Councillor Hicks. If we open this door. Then every large house in the uh, uh, in the district would uh, have be a shed which they can want to convert. So um, I'm happy to second Councillor Chambers' proposal. Okay, I have a proposal and a second. Um, Councillor Fairhurst. All right, we'll take Councillor Lachlan first. No, go on, he can go Um, well, I, I don't know. I actually couldn't see anything wrong with this. Uh, I, I know I'm being a rebel today, but um, Town Council haven't proposed any objections. Uh, Essex County Council Ecology, the highways, and uh, no representations have been received. Uh, I mean, it may be too late because we've got proposed and a seconder for refusal, but I would have liked to see a site visit so we can see for ourselves exactly what all the fuss is about. Because, um, you, I mean, all you can see is that. Now, it's very difficult to make a decision based on, like, these few photos, uh, and that is very near to the main road. And uh, I'm sure the people in, in the big house, the, to quote a Downton Abbey thing, um, actually use their car as well because um, and they probably have to drive by that conservative poster as well um, but um, uh, you know I'm just, uh, I'm just a bit uh, concerned that we may not be being fair and it may be policy but I think sometimes we there may be other policies that we could support, support it on so I, I would actually if other members would agree that we should go and have a look at this site in order to do justice to the applicants because I think that in, in, you know um, 
for honour, if you like, uh, and uh, to justice to them, it's something we should be doing. I don't uh, know if others I, would agree. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll take that on uh, and see where we go. Councillor Fairhurst. Yes, Mr Chairman, thank you. I'm afraid I support entirely what Councillor Lachlan said. I, uh, going through it and applying the NPPF to it, it felt like using a sledgehammer to a walnut. Um, we all know what the sense behind the NPPF is about. It's about development of new buildings and new, new developments. It's about creating more risk and more, more impediment to traffic and access. Um, in this case, it's a tractic, tractor building. So tractors are intended to leave the site and enter into mainstream traffic. We're saying we can't afford cars. Um, the change, the conversion from the, the, from the, from the hut or house, in, um, shed into a house, was remarkably simple. It didn't look like a huge change at all, so it wouldn't be uh, um, um, visually impaired either. So I just don't think, I think we're really being a little bit silly here. It, it's, it, it doesn't seem to have all the, all the issues we should worry about, so let's just do it. Uh, I'll take Mr Brown first, then I'll go to Councillor Ranger. Can I just confirm, clarify to members, this was approved as a tractor shed, but was never used as a tractor shed. And so, so therefore, um, and this, this idea about it being used as a rural building, it's an outbuilding that's been built. We're going to have a quite, you're going to have about another hour of outbuildings coming forward in various cases, but this was approved as a tractor shed, but it's become an outbuilding. So this idea about would we have allowed a dwelling to be built here in the first place? So I think the conversion issue... Is a, bit of a, is a bit of a red herring. It is, it is a new building that's been built, hasn't really been used apart from incidental to the dwelling house, sort of. And uh, so the conversion issue, so would we have approved dwelling in this place in the first place? And the, and the impact of approving something like this could be quite dangerous moving forward. But. Uh, Councillor Ranger. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, yeah, the, the form of words uh, led... Councillor Fairhurst to believe this was part of an agricultural sort of scene where there was farm traffic going in and out, but it isn't that case. Um, I, I know the sites. I've played tennis on that court, um, but I, I take Councillor Lockland's uh, view. To my mind, I think it's marginal in terms of the isolation and the harm, so I'm, I've got mixed uh, feelings on that. But I would propose um, a deferment for a site visit. Any other comments from anybody else? Yeah, Councillor Freeman. Yeah, I was just going to ask, thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> um, imagine that this was given consent. How would that influence anybody else? Because I've always taught that these planner applications are considered on their merit according to policy. So, okay, we've granted one, inverted commas, tractor shed to be converted into a dwelling. But the next one that comes along, which might call itself a chicken shed or something, uh, some whatever, uh, we have to take that on its merits. I don't see... Uh, uh, I'm no. asking for illumination. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not having my cake and eat it here, Councillor. You are exactly right. I mean, I always have this argument. I always come back to you and say there's no such thing as president in planning, and there isn't really. Um, but I, I, I just, I'm just a bit, a bit anxious that if this got approved... But then you would have an argument that it was on a bill on its own merits. It wouldn't open the floodgates, but it would be given a very difficult message. I think the issue is really the building being approved in the first place is the issue. And we've got, a, we've got that coming up on, on two other cases later on. But the, the fact is, but, but it's still not a conversion of a rural building. But that's, that's, that's it. But I'm not going to argue, President, on this one. Uh, I'm going to have my two pennyworth at this stage. Uh, 
the border, Mr Chairman, you have a proposal for a deferment and that needs to be dealt with immediately. And make some comments first no, before we go No, it needs to be dealt with immediately. Okay. Okay. Well, I have a proposal for a deferment. Does that find a second? Chairman, you'd already had a proposal for refusal, and um, and that was seconded. So the deferment. No, a proposal bear. for a deferral can can overrule that. So it does have to go through. Okay. So we have a proposal for a deferral, and we have seconders for that uh, deferral to do a site visit. Um, so we will go to the vote. All those that uh, wish to vote for a site visit on this. I have one, two, three, four, five, six. So in that case, this will get uh, deferred and we will do a site visit, uh, which supersedes the uh, proposal for refusal. Thank you for your comments. <coughs> okay. Who's taking this? You are, yeah? Okay. I'm going to hand over to Mr Brown now to take us through the next two applications, UTT 171124 and 1191. Hayden's End, Green Street, Great Penfield. Mr Brown. Thank you, Chairman. I was looking at Great Canfield when I was making my, my comments last time because this is potentially where we could end up here. But um, I'm trying to explain the situation very calmly in terms of where we're going. We've got two applications for two outbuildings. This one's worse because it's within the curtilage of a listed building as well. So can I just run you through the situation um, and, and just try to indicate that we do know what we're doing here? And, and I think that's... <laughs> um, well, to be honest with you, it is very difficult because we're talking tactics in terms of how we approach this from an enforcement viewpoint. And I do not want to, I want to be very candid and not do this in public in terms of how we're doing this. Um, this, is the, this is the property Hayden's End, and there are two outbuildings, well, there were three outbuildings to the rear that were approved. Um, this one to the front here. Oh, God, I see what you mean about the mouse. This one to the front, which I'll come to in the second case, but the first case is this one here. Um, permi permission was originally approved in this location for uh, a stable building and a, um, an attack room and storage building, which was approved in this format. I can never remember which one's round. I think that one is the stable and that one's the attack room, I think, but that was what was approved. Um, what has happened on site is... Um, and you'll see that you've got two retrospective applications on the same site by the same owners. So um, I'll leave that one hanging in terms of how that particular person operates. What they have actually done on the site is that they have um, put in here, they've joined the two sites together, first of all. Um, and if you want to ask me what that round bit is, it is a spiral staircase. And um, I'm looking forward to a horse walking up that spiral staircase, to be honest. And we also have, on this, on this particular development, one, one of the buildings is lower and one of the buildings is higher. So basically, apart from the heights of the building and the fact they're joined together, it is exactly what was approved for planning permission. But what has actually come out on site is looks that we're looking at the appearance of the building. The building in itself is two buildings being joined together, one slightly higher, one slightly lower. And as in terms of the appearance of the building, as far as officers are concerned, there are no issues with that. The issue here is what the building is going to be ultimately used for. It is currently not really in any sort of use because it's being constructed as we're going forward. 
Um, there, is, there are indications, and the authority has its suspicions, that this particular property could be used as a residential unit. And that is the suspicions that we have. We have served an enforcement notice on that basis. Now, the difference here is we're not talking about what we were just talking about the last case, because this is a spanking new building that's being built. Okay, and, and, the, and, the, and what's come out of the ground is two buildings being joined together. If the initial use of a new building being built specifically for um, stables and associated storage and hay is used for a residential development or even for annex accommodation, if that's argued, then the building is unauthorised and the solution is for it to be demolished. If a building is built and then used for its initial purpose, then changed, the use is then changed to residential, the breach is not the building, it's the use. And the only, the only remedy we have is to force them to stop using it as a residential development. But the building will remain. That situation will not change if we approve this today. This is a complicating hold up, holding up exercised by the applicant. The applicant, we have served an enforcement notice, and the enforcement notice, the, they did not apply it, they did not appeal the enforcement notice, the enforcement compliance period has passed. Um, but I'll be honest with you, to actually submit an application to regularise the situation um, is what they've done, and it is, it, is, it is a holding up exercise, and both in terms of, and I know this has caused some angst between my team and the parish council in terms of the parish council seeing enforcement notice that has been lapsed and inaction from the local authority. But what's actually been happening is we have a duty of, we have a duty to, if someone's going to say they're going to put an application in to regularise the situation, to wait that time. There could have been an argument that maybe we waited a bit longer than we needed to have done, but having said that, we have now received it and we're now determining it. But what hasn't changed on site, the last time it was visited, which would have been when the case officer visited for this particular application, is what it was not being used for residential purposes. It wasn't even used for anything. It was a development that's been developed. If it has been used for residential purposes or it's currently being used for residential purposes, that's excellent. We will then go, we will enact enforcement notice and take it in. But at this moment in time, it's not actually being used for residential purposes. So as far as we're concerned, we have to indulge the owner and say, oh yes, I'm building this for stables and I'm building this for a tack room. We cannot argue, because it hasn't happened yet, unless I'm told otherwise, unless I'm told someone is actually living in that particular property, which I don't think is the case, then there's an indication that it could become a residential property, but we've got to wait to get to that stage. And we're at a delicate stage in terms of doing that. Uh, because at the moment, there is no, the only breach of planning control is exactly what we're talking about here in terms of the development into, is, is not being built in accordance. If we refuse this today and there is appeal, then that appeal would need to go through the necessary process. So suddenly, there's an extra six months to go on. So we're playing the slightly longer game here in, in terms of ensuring that we... Unless, okay, we need to hear representations on this in terms of whether or not the building, in terms of the changes to the building, are offensive in terms of what they look like. That may be a case for the second case, but this is, if that is the situation here, then that is the only reason why we can refuse it. We can't preempt the fact that there will be likely be a breach, and we still have, the authority has suspicions that it could be used for residential. But all we are looking at here is an application to regularise the situation which joins the two buildings together 
including that bit in the middle here, which is a spiral staircase. That is slightly lower, and that one is slightly higher. And so the impact is exactly the same. And that is, all, that is why you've got a recommendation of approval in front of you. There's no naivety in terms of worrying about the, the, the use, because that is already covered, because we've served an enforcement notice already, and that will be enacted on if it be used for residential purposes. So that is why you've got a recommendation for approval in front of you, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mr. Brown, for that. Um, yes, I've got uh, Julie Barlow from the Parish Council. And evidently I've got Councillor Artis as well, who's halfway there. You weren't on my list, Councillor Artis, is he? Well, it must be an invisible ink then, because it's not on mine. Okay. Thank you, Keith. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought I'd go first as the, as the yeah. district, district councillor. Um, well, that's interesting. That's the, the strangest recommendation, perverse recommendation for approval I think I've ever heard. Um, I hope everybody takes note of that, uh, that recommendation. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is a very difficult uh, situation, this, uh, and basically it's one around uh, enforcement um, being required to ensure that the, uh, the, the owner actually built what was required, and that hasn't happened. So I'd just like to, to give you some background um, as to where the parish council stands. Uh, Hayden's End is a very old thatched cottage of historical uh, importance in the village and has grade two listing. It has been subject to a number of planning applications to the house itself and also for new structures known as stables and the annex. Each decision has been taken by a different planning officer at Russellsford, which means that, according to the parish council, the consistency of decision making of the planning department is considered to be an issue. They feel it is not even clear whether the current case officer knows about the enforcement notice, but maybe that uh, is, is not the case, as you, as you quite rightly said there. With the enforcement department, there are also issues, and it took, the parish, it took the parish council 18 months to get an enforcement notice on the building, and in this time, the department was broken up, and the enforcement officer who was dealing with the matter redeployed elsewhere, leaving the incumbent trying to pick up the matter which is ever complicated by new buildings on the land and changes without permission to those buildings that are in existence. This lack of consistency in planning and enforcement means that decisions are being taken without regard to the history of the planning of the site. It also leads to wasted money and time for all concerns. It would appear that with the number, nature and content of these applications, the owner has built a domestic style dwelling and hopes that nobody would notice. The planning department asked the parish council to be their eyes and ears on the ground. This building was reported um, to the parish council by local residents as it was obvious to all that the planning process was being abused and a dwelling rather than stables was being built. The parish council took the correct steps to report the enforcement and no action was apparent. It now appears that the following uh, a few reversible cosmetic changes and despite concerns from conservation officers that the build can stand. It's, so it seems that because of the failure of the enforcement regime, the, the planners are now giving the green light to this development that should have, by its own admission, been stopped ages ago. I suppose this is one way of clearing the files, but I hope this planning committee will not let um, the, the, the planners and enforcers off the hook so easily and that by refusing these applications, you'll be reverting to the position adopted by UDC at the beginning of this long saga. Not allowing this, this application would not only, only be correct in planning terms, but it would yet uh, again be an instruction for an enforce, enforcement team to do its job efficiently. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Artis. Uh, Julie Barlow. 
Hello. Um, Hayden's End is a very small grade 2 listed timber framed thatched cottage in Green Street, a protected lane within the local plan. It is situated in a, an historic and an important setting on the Old Drove Road and the location includes the village stocks, Peace Oak as well as other important historic properties. There are two retrospective planning applications relating to this property today and this is the first application relating to a new large building constructed next to the annex and in the driveway of the listed building, which is highly visible due to its close proximity to the highway. In 2014, permission was granted for two separate buildings, one a stable and the other a store. The owners failed to build the two buildings in accordance with the approved plans and instead constructed what appears to be one large domestic-style building complete with full insulation, utilities, residential-style doors and windows and an internal spiral staircase. It is clear this is not constructed as a stable and outbuilding. The Parish Council appealed to Uttlesford, which resulted in an enforcement notice requiring the structure to be removed in 2016. Enforcement stated, the design and structure and its prominent position on the land is a visual intrusion on the street scene and is harmful to the open rural character of the area. The apparent use of the building as a dwelling is not appropriate. The owners took no action and instead applied retrospectively for the completed building to be granted permission as a workshop and store, as they were no longer able to keep horses due to the family situation drastically changing. The application was refused in 2016 for the following reasons. The use of the building for domestic activity would increase the residential curtilage of the property. The visual appearance, height and scale of the building are harmful to the character of the site and harmful to the setting of the adjoining listed building. The footprint is excessive and not subservient to the residential dwelling. The conservation officer added the building would result in harm to the setting and the primacy of the heritage asset by reason of the building's scale, mass and detailing. Having failed to get planning permission for the, for the workshops, the owners are now trying again to get retrospective planning permission for one large single building designated as stables, despite stating they no longer are able to keep horses. The planning officer report states a number of windows have been blocked up, reducing the glazing. However, from observations, it is suggested that the windows are simply boarded over and there is no indication they have been removed, or the spiral staircase or the residential doors which add to its domestic appearance. The footprint, scale, mass and elevations remain unchanged and excessive as was stated by the planning officers and the conservation officer in the enforcement notice and the refused application. The Parish Council requests this application be refused and the owners required to construct the two buildings in accordance with the original approved application or that the enforcement notice is actioned. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Julie. Okay. Um, I'm going to put this back to Mr Brown on a few points of clarification, I think. This is, this is going to be very confusing, I'm sorry, but by refusing this planning application today... Um, it will result in an appeal or we have to wait for six months for an appeal to pass but, and that would it's doing exactly what the applicants thinking what we, they're trying to hold us up at the moment the property is not being used for residential I have exactly the same suspicions that this building will end up becoming an attempted residential dwelling but at the moment we have to and we, the fact that we have an application here for a stable, I've got no, I don't think there's any possibility that a horse will be in this particular property. It's not, they haven't got horses, there won't be a stable. But we are approving a stable because we've already approved a stable in this location and a tack room and a storage area. 
the worst thing that could happen here is that they could use it as a stable. And if they use it for a stable, even for a week, and then they use it for residential afterwards, then the problem then is just change of use. It's not going to be the building. We just have to wait. If they want to pour money into this particular property and make it into a residential property, we'll pull it down. We will pull it down because the property has not been built. It was not, if this is approved today, it has not been approved as a residential property. We have not, it's not about a conversion, it's about the erection of a dwelling. We have to accept this as a stable at this point, and it sounds like we're being extremely dim in doing that, but if it does, if we're approved right, and it does become a residential property, then they will enact the enforcement notice and put it down. But they have not used it as a residential property yet. And that is, unless I'm told otherwise, and that is the problem we've got. If members refuse that, then that's held up for another six months in terms of that appeal process to go through the process. That is a statutory right. Um, to be honest, if you approve this, it does absolutely nothing. It absolutely does enough, absolutely nothing. If you approve this today, you're, the, building, the building which is likely to be pulled down anyway, because if they're going to use it as residential property, that's what we will do. So this does absolutely nothing. The only worst thing, the only scenario that is because member, the, 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 the parish have mentioned issues about the, the design of the building as well. The worst case scenario is members approve this and it's used as a stable, as far as the parish is concerned, then there are no breach of planning control. But that is unlikely to be the situation in terms of where we're going. It's a very difficult message. That's why I'm very uncomfortable in terms of discussing enforcement tactics in public. And that is why that, that is, you know, we got to play a slightly longer... We have done this. This has happened... Ironically, in your patch, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Councillor Artis, that's another point, in Little Hallenbury, this exactly same scenario has happened already, and we had to wait for something to happen in order for us to serve an enforcement notice. And that enforcement notice has been served, and there's, an, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hearing coming up shortly, because of someone thinking they're being clever in what they're doing, and we ultimately serve an enforcement notice, and once that goes out, we'll, we'll take the necessary action. But members need to make their own judgment. By approving this, it does very little in terms of we're not approving a dwelling in this location. Uh, just for myself, uh, Mr Brown, I'm going to ask you if we do refuse it and it goes to appeal, I know we don't necessarily know what the officer is going to say, we know it's six months down the road, but if he upholds our decision, then this part would have to be removed. Is that correct? I think, to be honest with you, I'm not so worried. Um, all I'm worried about in terms of the appeal... Okay, um, well we've had the speakers. Um, I've got Councillor Davey and then I'm going to take Councillor Lachlan and Councillor Fairhurst. John. Right, you can hear me now. Yeah. I was going to ask a technical question, but I think I shall hold my, uh, I shall hold my tongue and leave it there. 
Thank you. Fine, thank you. Um, Councillor Lachlan, then Councillor Fairhurst. Well, I think it ought to be noted that this committee does not like retrospective planning applications. Uh, they're nasty because it, it always makes you suspicious that somebody is doing something that they shouldn't be doing. If, they, if it was right, then they would have put in a planning application for that. Uh, very thing. But I, I do agree with Mr. Brown because I, I think that we now will have take control of this. If we do refuse it, um, then we, we will lose control. Like you said, somebody, uh, you know, we can have that pulled down, and Mr. Brown has now said this on record because these uh, are recorded, these meetings, that that is what will happen. And I think we have a legal officer here as well who will probably. Uh, agree and say that is the right thing to do and that, not because I want to or because I agree with this application, because I, I think it's wrong on all counts, but I will vote for it because I think in that way we will take control of the situation and then um, uh, Great Canfield will also have more control at the moment they don't have any and if, if, we, if we approve it I mean if we refuse it will lose total control and so will they. So I, I think we need to approve it on those grounds. I'm getting nods over there, so obviously somebody doesn't agree, but I, I will vote for it on those reasons. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst and then yes. Councillor Lemon. Mr Chairman, we've been very well led by Mr Brown and I think we've seen a fairly complex issue. Um, but there are three options here. We've been told, as I understand it, that if we approve it, it gives us some time to, to take it to the next step. It is a retrospective um, application. We don't like this for a number of reasons. Um, thin edge of the wedge stuff. Um, and we've also told that if we reject it, then it goes to appeal and it delays for six months and all those good things. But there's a third option, and we need to sort of untangle this process. The third option is to defer and enforce. Now, if we defer it, we play for time, our time, because we've got an enforcement action. So let's not rush into this process, but to defer means, ironically, we get to a better result. You defer it, <coughs> and then you enforce. You've got an enforcement action. It's still invalid. It hasn't been approved. So I would like to ask Mr. Brown to, to agree with what I'm saying. I think he does. Um, and explain the process there, please. Hooray. <laughs> there is no way that I could have recommended that you defer it, because when anyone submits a planning application, as professional officers, we are obliged to determine them, yes or no. We cannot say we're just going to sit on it. Um, and uh, so that the bottom line is the applicant has the right to appeal against non-determination if they wish. Um, and that is, that is a wish and that is the risk that we take. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have this, as I say, I've been making quite a lot of point about this application being slight, slump, somewhat irrelevant um, and it's a holding up tactic. By deferring it... Um, I would never recommend you to do it, so, but I, I think that, that by the, the, the outcome of you deferring it means the application obviously remains undetermined. Um, but, we can, but I should add that we cannot enforce until the property is occupied. That's the problem. And so we just have to wait. And, and, <coughs> so and, just as a point of clarity, I've got, I've got Councillor Lemon and then Councillor Ranger, but just how long can we defer for? What I can do on that basis, I think the two issues, and I, I, I will pick up Councillor Artis's point, he was a bit cruel in some of the things he said, but I do think one thing, one matter that he is correct on is, is that there has been a join from the, the corporate enforcement team and, and, and the enforcement team become within my team. I'm not going to criticise either end. I think we've got it right at this end, but we've acquired this one halfway through. But the bottom line is, 
um, by deferring it, we maybe defer it so that we can sort out the enforcement situation as we stand, because what we currently got as this application is irrelevant, we've taken enforcement action in terms of to demolish the building on the basis that it appears to be really for residential, which is a difficult one to do. That hasn't been appealed, and that is valid. Now, um, in, 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 the, in the council's solicitor's defence, this is not an issue that probably you're aware of. In terms, of, You were aware of the enforcement notice, but in terms of trying to work out whether we can enact the enforcement notice at this stage. So therefore, maybe defer it, maybe for a couple of meetings, so that we can assess that situation. That's a valid reason, rather than just kicking it into the long grass. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take Councillor Lemon and Councillor Ranger. Mr. Chairman, um, I'm fairly new here, so this, I, I just want to understand how this works. So if they occupy it and we serve an enforcement order on it to pull it down, can they then appeal against that order? Would it go yes. to an appeal and could they no. win? No the, the issue, no, no, the issue we've got at the moment, and also I should emphasise its first occupation as a residential property, which means the property was deliberately built to be a residential property. We've served the enforcement notice to demolish it because that would be the outcome if it was appearing to become a residential use. They have, they have not appealed that enforcement notice, so that appeal process has gone through. If, we served, if, we've, if for some other reason we had to serve another enforcement notice for something else, then that will be reenacted. But that's where we are. So the, enforcement, the appeal process has gone in terms of that particular issue. Uh, what will happen is, the, the, in terms of us taking action in terms of for a building to be demolished, the first action would be initially to prosecute that's the first issue that you're in breach and then on that second issue then we would then take the next action which is ultimately to remove the breach that's long down the line okay uh, council ranger thank you chairman um uh, thank you mr brown for confirming the uh, on the deferment uh, principle but before we have that uh, discussion or vote the question i would ask is given the history of the site that there is there was permission granted for two buildings um, for the use of hay storage and stables were that application to have showed those two separate buildings joined would we have refused it so I would have thought no um, because the use was as it was applied for and we found that okay in two separate buildings very close to each other joining them in that form would not have made that difference to an, an approval I don't think so is deferring this doing us any favours um, I'll take Councillor Lockland's point of keeping control of the situation by allowing the, the joint buildings but keeping the established use as granted that gives us absolute because then there's no there's no two months before it then becomes okay we'll approve it and you join them up uh, or we leave them joined up um, the, the applicant's got to make his mind up what's he going to do is he going to stop now because he knows that if he makes it residential use it as residential he's going to come down on the answer to that, I don't think the applicant's already made his mind up in terms of what he's potentially going to do. I don't think he really cares what happens today, to be honest. And so I think, but yeah, but that's a fair point in terms of we do have absolute control if we approve it, but in terms of enforcement tactics, it's another issue, isn't it?
Mr. Chairman, um, the, 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 the wrinkle here is that if you do approve it, we have a risk. It's an interesting one that he was raised. He just brings a horse in. He brings a horse in for a week. We've lost control of the process. Deferment avoids that process. I think, you, this is a machine. And so I think the deferment allows us the time and the window to do what we need to do. Going the approval sounds like we've got control. We've only got control until he finds a horse. My point would be, what if nothing happens for two months and we've deferred it? Then with status quo, we're all back where we started. Uh, yeah, let's just clarify that. It, does the enforcement come back into place or will that process continue even if we defer it? Well, yes, the enforcement process will continue. Right. It's okay. a really difficult discussion for me to do in public, to be honest. Very, very uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we we, we <laughs> find it necessary to ask you. No, no, no. But that particular issue, the enforcement process has been continuing anyway. And, but then it's, it's, it's a very difficult message to give, certainly to parish councils, where someone is completely, and we've got this on the next case as well, someone is complete disregard for planning process, yet we still have to, when we're dealing with things, have to give them fair justice in terms of putting applications in. There is an argument that we may have given them a bit longer than we should have done, but the fact is we still have to give that justice, and that gives me a very bad taste in my mouth. But okay. ultimately, the enforcement process is still going regardless of what happens. Okay, I'm going to take Councillor Lock on then Councillor Ranger. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, I still think that by um, approving it, we will keep control of it. And like you said, we could, um, well, you did say, we'll knock it down. So, um, uh, so, uh, so for that reason, I think it's good to approve it. Having said that, it would have been nice to know there was an option to defer, because I thought the options were to either approve or, re or refuse, and it, it was left to Councillor Fairhurst to to put that into the mix, if you like. Um, I will still go for approval because I think that, as I said, that will give us the control that we need. And okay, if he puts a horse in it and then goes for change of use, any inspector who has a, an ounce of common sense will know what that trick is. You know, I mean, if, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he could, I don't know, he could bring in trigger and, I don't know, wire up okay. and it won't matter. <laughs> Yeah, but I... I uh, no, sorry, I've got to take Councillor Ranger first, please. I haven't finished, but go on. Sorry. Sorry, the, the, we, I am a bit concerned as well. Picking up the point of order earlier, so I'm not trying to double-guess what Keith Carter's Council Artists said. We have had a resolution to defer it, and yet the discussion has continued. And so, therefore, we do need to put the deferral to the vote. <laughs> OK, I broke it last time. <laughs> Uh, we have a resolution to defer. Well, we, no, point of order, Chairman, there's been no proposal for a deferment yet. And I would like to make one... No, it was not a proposal. Listen to the record. It was not a proposal. He asked Mr Council Brown Ranger. what the deferment situation right. was. Because yours. it's important. I just wanted clarification. What are we enforcing against? I want clarity on that, please. At the moment, the enforcement, this is, that's a good question, the enforcement issue that we're thinking about is the building has, the, the terms of the enforcement notice to have been served is a building has been erected that, and it appears to resemble what's going to be a residential property. And so on that basis, the, 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 the mechanism is to demolish it. So that is the mechanism that we've actually got. Um, now, there is an argument that they can use in it, and there, there you are, you've got it here. 
So, so whether or not we enforce that particular part of the condition, that particular enforcement notice, the reason why there's been a delay is because this application has been in the offing, to be honest, so that's where the delay is. So the case is, can we enforce it on the fact that a building appears to be, um, and, and that's the issue, so the issue is it appears to be residential, and it really does appear to be residential. Okay, well, we have a recommendation for an approval, but I think Councillor Fairhurst is going to... Mr Chairman, I, did thought, I thought I had proposed, but in case I haven't, I am proposing that we defer this matter. Does that find a seconder? I'd like to second that, please. It does, with Councillor Gerard. Okay, in that case, we go to the vote on that deferral, because that takes precedent. Can I please have a show of hands on people that would go for deferral? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, four, two against. In that case, we have a deferral. And we will move on to the next matter, which is almost identical. Uh, Mr Brown. This is, this is an application for a building closer to Hayden's End. So we've just been talking about the area up here. We're now talking about... Oh, God, this flipping mouse. This building here, um, we were talking about the building about there. We approved uh, an application for an annex use on the site under delegated powers. And I think that's part of the issue here, that, we, that we've actually approved this under... Nothing wrong with that, but we've approved this as an outbuilding. And I think moving forward in terms of how we deal with applications because we shouldn't be worrying about annexes and changes of uses we should be worrying should be approving outbuildings in these in these locations and that's the point here so we have picked up this point that we have approved this annex building in this location unless i'm told otherwise i don't think there's any issues about the use of this building as an annex but it's been used as an annex the issue about this building is it hasn't been built in accordance um, for two reasons. It's not as ma it's not, they're not major issues, it's just they are not in accordance with the approved plans. The first issue is the fact that, and I keep losing this boiler building, yeah, there it is, um, to the side of the building, um, I think it's that bit there, there was a boiler, bit, the building has got an extension to it which includes uh, room for a boiler, I think it's in that location. I'll show you, there's, there's a photograph of this in a moment anyway. And the second issue is because of the levels, we, the person could not get actually into the property because of what they've done inside. So they've got some stepped access to the front of it. And uh, that they attempted to put that in as a non-material amendment um, because of a minor amendment. Um, officers quite clearly, because it was retrospective, did not accept it as a non-material amendment. And that is where we are today. That is what the building looks like. Um, I would agree with the parish, this is the boiler building bit here. They've, they've, they've extended it here to be boiler. I would agree with the parish that it, and hopefully the front one has arrived. There it is. This is, this is, this is the building that we've got, though it looks like. It's, it's, it's not very nice, to be quite frank, but the difference between what's been built and what's been approved is the fact we've got a little staircase in the front and you've got a boiler around the back. Now, that is what we think is the only differences between the two applications, and that's what's in front of us today. And the windows have changed, sorry. But the windows and changing is... No, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be talking like that. But the fact is the differences in terms of what's been built on the ground is the stepped access and the boiler extension. But
but uh, they have also changed the windows. And uh, that is what we're looking at in front of us today. We feel that because of what we've approved and what's been built, there's not a lot of difference to justify refusing the application, and that's where we are. Um, and uh, this is simply, if members refuse this application, it's much more simpler. It's they go back to what was originally built, and that's what that's for judgment, and therefore that's a clear, clear judgment for members here. Officers are of the view what's been approved and what's been built is not substantially different to justify refusing. Um, there are no issues regarding the use, and hopefully now that will allow. I don't know. If we've got public yep. speakers now. If they want to speak again. Okay. Um, thanks, Mr. Brown. Um, Julie, did you want to add to that? No, it's not going to happen. Uh, first of all, I'd just actually like to say thank you very much um, to all of you, especially to you, um, Nigel, because with all the toing and froing between um, the parish council and planning in the past, trying to sort this out, it would have been, you know, if we could communicate a little differently, perhaps in the future, it would help everybody, and then we might not be in this situation we're in today. So hopefully, going forward, we might be able to sort something out. Anyway, right, this is to do with this annex. Um, another um, building within the same curtilage next door to our stable, and then on the right-hand side, as you look at it, is the uh, listed building. Um, it is accepted that permission was granted to uh, convert this garage into an annex, um, but we're just con uh, we're concerned that the conversion again has not been uh, carried out in accordance with the plan submitted, and it is a further attempt by the owners to build what they want, not what has been approved on site. Um, I can't reiter reiterate enough that Green Street is protected, and the development that has uh, formed here is so out of keeping with the historic setting. Um, it's not in line with with any of our designs within Parish Council or in our um, design guide um, and the buildings, the windows and the front door in particular are what we're worried about. It's, they have not been constructed um, in accordance with what was originally planned um, and they've just gone ahead and put those in and then done a retrospective in amongst the um, change of uh, heights to get these, this window and door through. Um, it does resemble a shop front rather than an annex um, and we have also uh, been advised that there was actually an enforcement notice against the owner of the building who lives in the listed building at the moment uh, against having a hairdresser site, a hairdressing business on site next door. We feel that she wants to move in here. Um, so that is where, where we are with this. Um, so thank you very much for listening to me once again. Uh, thank you for that. Um, we have no other speakers at this point, um, so I'm going to put it forward to you guys. Uh, Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Um, access doesn't comply, does it? Those steps are non-compliant. We are on many fronts. Um, parting and building rigs, there's no handrail. The height is more than 600 millimetres uh, rise there. Um, I, I don't think this change in level bit is solved by that. Um, I think it looks hideous, but then that's only my personal opinion. I think it's been expressed elsewhere, Mr. Brown. But um, I don't, I don't think we can uh, approve something that clearly is uh, in, in disregard of the uh, the rules. Uh, Councillor Lockland. Thank you. As another retrospective, I, I hope that uh, you will write to them 
Mr. Brown, I'll make it very clear that uh, we don't like retrospective. But I, I'm concerned if this is allowed to become a business, and you say the hairdresser is, wants to go in there, can we condition that? And also, I mean, there's no disabled access. So if somebody, some elderly person wants to have their perm, they uh, won't be able to get up the steps. So um, I'm just wondering whether that... We could I don't think we should talk about perms and the fact that it's becoming hairdressers. It's, it's, it's an act annex. Um, you don't need to, to be frank. Um, this building has been the, the hairdresser's bit, and you know, I can <laughs> a couple of things are linked together now in terms of the fact that it looks like a shop front. Um, members need to make a decision in terms of the difference between it. I think the windows do make a change on this particular application. So if members are mindful that it has an impact on the setting of a listed building, there is quite clearly a refusal note. Refusal. Um, you can use the MV2 in terms of setting, can't you? No, that will do. So, no, I'm going to leave the debate to go, but at the end of the day, members should not worry about the change of use, but, pick it, but members should be looking at the impact of what the changes to this proposal for. You know, I said initially that the changes are not bad enough, and officers are still of that view, but if members are of that view, there's an avenue here for you. And yeah, Mr. Chairman, thank you. Um, yeah, I think it's a question of taste, isn't it? I think that the, the house isn't great looking, um, but we we were fairly clear, it seems, in our in our requirements for the look, and they have they've deviated from that to an extent which is substantial. If it's, if it's not material, if it's it's minor to suggest, then we would be, I think, um, probably minded to 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 accept the process. Um, I think our enforcement is quite important. I think a message sent out that that you, you obey those rules and we can. Manage some effect, some control over the process, and so I think I would probably be inclined to say they should go back and try again and, and, and not accept us. Thank you. Is is that a proposal for yes, a refuse? To, ref to refuse, yes. Can does I that just, yes. does that find a seconder? Uh, lots of them. Okay, I'll take Mr. Ranger, Councillor Ranger, as a seconder for that. I think yeah. clarify something before we go to a vote. I want members. Yeah. yeah. What shouldn't be lost here is this is what's been approved on this site, um, and, um, and that was the approved plans. So, so picking up the, the parish's point, the windows have substantially changed. Um, uh, I don't think we should be punishing them, although I love to punish people if they continue putting retrospective applications. That shouldn't be the reason why we're doing it. Um, um, the change of use bit is slightly irrelevant because we hasn't changed the use, but. There's a bit more of a message coming forward here. Secondly, the Council Ranger's comments about Part M at the moment, it's not a dwelling, it's an annex, so therefore it may not comply with Part M anyway, so that's, that's another issue. But looking at any move to refuse it, I would suggest if you were going to do that, that you can do that on Gen 2, which is design, and EMV2, development effect in the settings of the list of buildings. That's there. And to be honest with you, that will hold up matters slightly, but that's where we are. Their option, I mean, by refusing this, we then would need to serve an enforcement notice, and we're happy to do that, to ensure that it goes back to what was originally approved. And, and that's where we are. And so, so, so if members are mindful to do that, that's defendable. Not a problem with that. Um, Councillor Fairhouse, are you happy to go forward on, those, Absolutely. on that basis? Okay, uh, I'll just take Councillor Lachlan. I would like to know how we stand if they went to appeal. What's the comments from the Conservation Officer? 
I think we have not got comments from the conservation officer. That's not necessarily an issue for the determination of this application. So we haven't got anything from the conservation officer saying they've got no objections. But that way we would be in a difficult situation then. But picking up some of the points that have been raised, there is a, is a bit of a subjective decision in terms of where, and the subjective decision means it could go either way. Um, but um, the more I look at this, the more I think it's poor in terms of where it is. And so, so <coughs> okay. I but there uh, would have been appeal because there would have been enforcement notice running alongside yep. this as well. Okay. So no Under those circumstances, I'm happy to go to the vote. Vic, go on. Thank you. I did have my hand up. Did yes, you did. Sorry, I thought back. Mr. Thank Brown you. answered your query. No, no. you put your hand um, down. Clearly, have we, have we got a? Um, the illustration of what's proposed there to put up, please, Nigel. The alterations, yeah. Right, so we've only got the um, photographs. Right, okay. Oh, right, yeah, that's what I wanted for. Right. We are approving something that is indicated, or being asked to approve something that's indicated on the plan, but clearly not as built. So it's not built as planned, and the original plans, I think, were misleading. That's obviously because there is an adaptation to what was proposed to cover what the discrepancy was between the as-proposed plans and the actual situation on site. So that's what concerns me probably most. I don't like the solution of how they've got over that. I don't think that's good, and it, it clearly is a risk element, but that's perhaps some other legislation. But the alteration to the elevations, I think, it, it is detrimental to the setting of the listed building. Chairman, can we go for a vote on this? <laughs> OK, all those in favour of a refusal, will you please show? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Unanimously refused. Thank you very much for your uh, decision. And we'll hand over to uh, Miss Denmark for the final application of the day, UTT 170486, Oak Royd Avenue in Dunmo, and she will take us through. My apologies to the poor applicant and his agent who have sat at the back of the room for the entire afternoon. Um, this property is located in Oak Royd Avenue, in, uh, which is off of the Braintree Road in Great Dunmo. Um, Oak Royd Avenue is made up of a range of different property types. There's semi-detached, there's terraces, two storeys, um, and this particular property is a chalet bungalow, um, and it's located between two two-storey properties. The proposal relates to the erection of a side extension, um, the change to a dormer window, and a rear extension. Um, so this is the extension here, changes to the roof here, um, and the rear extension here. Um, the, there's been concerns expressed by the town council and by um, the next door neighbour about impacts on their property. Um, go back. Next door does have 
mouse is going again. Um, a little um, lean-to extension here, which has two windows um, inside of it. Um, these appear to be um, secondary windows or windows not serving. They're not big windows serving main habitable rooms. Um, so on that basis, the um, scale of the proposals and the design of them are considered to be appropriate and in keeping with the scale of the property. And um, it's not considered that the proposals would give rise to any loss of residential amenity to the neighbouring property. And it's recommended that the application be approved. Uh, thank you, Mrs Denmark. Um, we have uh, no speakers on this application, so in that case I will take Councillor Ranger first from the floor. Thank you, Chairman. I, I called this application in because when we were advised um, by email that it was registered, um, I looked at it because, as I stated at the outset of the meeting, I'm friends with the people who own number 20, the, the one to the left of the front elevation on this one. Um, I had my concerns when I first uh, saw it were overshadowing and parking and both those issues were raised and echoed by the Great Dunmo Town Council as well as well as the owners of number 20. Number 20 was built in 1935. Number 22 was built around 1949. Um, now, obviously, in between times, there was Second World War, so that may well have uh, influenced the building pro progress. But it's typical, Oak Road Avenue is typical of a street at the time, becoming a new development area. Tracts of land were sold off. Developers came in, built houses of a certain style, and up to number 20 and opposite, they are of one style. Then you've got 22, which is one on its own, and then you've got other different style of character houses running past. Number 22 was vacant for quite some while. It had a big tree in it, so it was obviously a less desirable plot to build, but eventually it was, was purchased. The concerns I have, and I have to... This is, not being ultra, this is not really trying to be critical of officers, but there is another window on the elevation that's not been taken into account. It's beyond the outcrop that serves a ground floor WC, which was a much needed um, facility that the current owners built in. Um, and indeed, every new house now has a WC on the entry level. So they were ahead of the curve, if you like. But the window in question is beyond that, and it serves a kitchen diner, which is a habitable room. If you look on Google Maps, you will see a picture, if you use Streetwise, of the existing house form having a shadow line that comes up to and onto the boundary fence. So if you move that roof line to the boundary line, that shadow line is going to go across the window that I've referred to. Um, the reason that it's a kitchen diner is because originally it was just a kitchen on the end of the, of the building. Um, it was dark. So the current owners have taken down the wall, part of the wall between the kitchen and the rear reception room, which is the dining room, so you've got a kitchen diner, so it is a habitable room. Now, that's got to be taken into account. These matters of overshadowing and parking were both raised at an early stage and plans have been amended. But 
I'll talk about the parking one in a moment, but the overshadowing objection has not been dealt with by the applicant. I'll refer the colleagues to an application we looked at in Audley Road, um, Saffron Walden. Um, somebody had built an extension, a, glazed, a lot of glazing on the back of a house, next door wanted to an extension, we paid a site visit and we came to the conclusion that there was a detriment to the owners of the first building against what was being proposed to the adjoining property. There's a lot of similarity in, in this case here. And um, I, I think that it's, it, it should have been, the objection was raised and I think the applicant should have addressed that and proved either there was or there wasn't a, um, some overshadowing to consider and loss of light. On the parking, the officer's report does say there's one space on the uh, application property. That's not true. There's a sideway down the side of the house and the garage at the back. There's at least room for at least three cars there, which would, if it were a four-bedroom property, that would satisfy our parking standards. The proposal on the front here should, because an objection was raised about parking and manoeuvrability, that should have been illustrated with um, tracking diagram to prove that two cars on there would be able to manoeuvre in and out, but when we're one short, so we're getting displacement onto the street, and that street is narrow, it has driveways, it has um, telegraph poles in that vicinity. It's not a good situation. There are other options for this property, and I think this one is not one that I can support. Um, I'm not suggesting that we defer this for uh, a site visit, but it is something that needs to be considered, and the applicant has not addressed the, the relevant issues. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Councillor Ranger. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, when I was going through the papers, I actually wrote defer question mark because I think, to be fair to the people next door, we should go and have a look at this. I don't know where this is and um, I don't know what the light issues are. Uh, so, uh, you know, in order to, as I said before, to do justice to them, I would like us to go and have a look and so we can decide for ourselves. And uh, the report is very comprehensive. I have no criticism of that at all, but I, I really feel that we wouldn't be doing the right thing if we didn't go and have a look at this. So I would like to propose a deferment. Uh, okay, I have a proposal for a deferment and I have a seconder. Um, so just on those matters, we'll go to a vote. Uh, for a deferment, all those in favour? <coughs> okay, I have a unanimous decision for a deferment and we will arrange a site visit for that. Um, that gentleman completes the business for today. I would thank you and lady. Sorry. I, I don't know. <coughs> it seems I'm immune to you saying it. <laughs> and thank you very much for your time. Thank you.